Welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. All right, welcome to Moralia Python Radio. Tonight we are talking with Garrett Hartle uh, from Reach Out Reptiles. And, you know, me and Garrett have talked before in the past about how Moralia and Retics are, well, I should say dwarf, super dwarf Retics are sort of uh, in the same um, vein as far as um, you can't get any fresh blood in, kind of like carpets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're limited to certain lines and bloodlines. And uh, as people will know, there's, there's certain ones in the carpet world that have been lost. And um, mm-hmm. hopefully uh, Garrett can give us some insight uh, into if that's a problem yet or if it's something that they're trying to stay away from uh you know and and really what it comes down to uh is the morphs you know ah those bad morphs man always stop (laughs) trouble stop stop you can't it can't be the whole can't be the whole show like this you gotta ease into it and you know it's the thing is that yeah we have lost certain bloodlines certain species and i know garrett's got a lot of stuff that he's dealing with that like I don't think anybody was really paying attention until he came along and was like, hey, these are awesome. And it's like there's a lot of pressure that's got to come along with that is that, you know, he might have one or two animals and he's the only guy that has those one or two animals. And that's nuts to think about. I'm sweating bullets because I have a bloodline that everybody else has. You know, it's a retic. Can no, you, wait, what? No. Wait, wait, no, I was going to say, wait a minute. No, listen, my retics are this there. I mean, like they're not, First there's no, there's no insane bloodline going on down there. I don't trust myself with that kind of stuff. Garrett's going to think he's in bizarro world because you, have he retics. knows I told him <laughs> he found out about it at carpet fest and yelled at me for it. So it's fine. We and you picked the it. most aggressive retic. I didn't say I did something <laughs> smart. He knows. <laughs> I don't know if that's that's true. That could be just, uh, you know. Well, they're assholes. I mean, you know, let's see. I mean, I, they're not nice. <laughs> so I, I've never worked with them, so I don't I know. I keep if, feeding them rabbits, and it retics. keeps getting any better. It's Why like, pied? yeah. Why pie? What? Why pie? Because it's pretty, and it was there. You and really wanted she, a pied carpet, and you couldn't No, it, so you, no, you no, no. Oh. She, all right, she wanted a normal retic, and I wasn't just going to have a normal retic in the house. Dude, so the nicest ones of all. I, it, I again, I didn't say I did it right. Oh, <laughs> I, I just said I did it. So, got her the het pied, and then I got the pied because then at least you can breed them together. Mm. Never said I did anything right. Okay, that's going to be preface. a weird day when you have retics for sale on a table. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> it's like just. I don't there. know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, let's let's get it going and uh, we'll get into it. Um, and uh, yeah, okay. Garrett, welcome back to Moray Python Radio. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. All things considering. Thanks, guys, for having me. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's always cool to to hang out with you. I haven't seen you in a while, but every once in a while, I catch you at like Hamburg or something like that. I think you've been uh, globe trotting or whatever it is you're doing all over the place. So it's good yeah. to. 
I definitely need to spend some more time up here in the in the Northeast. It seems like I've been traveling a lot lately. That's for sure. Yeah. For the record, why yeah. did you get pied? I, we already so, I mean, just covered it. It's just... <laughs> I mean, you know, when I was on, this is this is a while ago now. It's yeah, been a while since I've been on, yeah, but. I I was expecting some, you know, positive cash flow. Be- For me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just because, you know, of the reputation that every guest that you guys have on sells you something of random species to Owen. Uh, I've done so. better over the past couple of years. I'm sorry. You should have gotten out from, like, <laughs> the first season because then I would have blown all my money. And it was just like, I'm so you caught me a little late. So, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then the retic projects just fell into my lap. I blame Matt Minatola for giving me the first one. So yeah, there's that. Gonna say, I, I thought you got Matt Minatola stuff. Now he has some really cool, yeah. like I think they're a little bit lower percentage dwarf, but they're freaking sexy. Jam, yeah. Motley, Tiger stuff. Yeah, you didn't yeah, get I, those though. You I got have, something else. I have the one I have the one from Matt, and that's the female platy super yeah it the plat what you're talking about the yeah plat- those are yeah. those are gorgeous yeah she's awesome she is so well behaved she is really pretty and she's my favorite and then uh the my better half wanted a normal and a friend of mine's like hey i got this normal it's actually het pied and i have a pied male and i'm like all right yeah sure and that was that was a mistake <laughs> so they, um, those um, two um, are um, a-holes um, but yeah. you know yeah. yeah the super door stuff like you know, there's something to be said if that they're she's the nicer out of all three of them, and um, she's not even a super dwarf because I think her parents are like 11 foot or something like that, according to Matt. So she has but, some she has some Champaya blood in her, which is actually dwarf. Okay, um, they're they're actually my favorite locality as far as oh. the, the different localities go. I just think they sprinkle a little sexy sauce on any of the. Projects, which is which is pretty much what that bloodline is. But nice. I don't know. the The pieds do have a little bit of a reputation for being jerks. Um, but I, I think it's it's just because a lot of them are still being produced from F one, you know, het pied females, and they haven't had. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, all the retics were jerks. It was yes. it, getting a retic was like getting a Nile crocodile. Like, yeah. wait, why do you want something that wants to eat you? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So I just, I mean, I grew up with that. I'm always surprised when people are surprised that retic is mean. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like miraculous that any of them are nice, you know. (laughs) Most of them are pretty chill after, you know, 20, 30 years, however long they've been in the industry. They kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, mellow out by default. I'm sure it's like a lot, uh, you know, like a lot of species. They come in wild caught. They're sketchy. Yeah. F1, F1s can be a little, hmm, but, you know, the nice ones prevail, lay more eggs, and then everything becomes nice in a generation or two, right? Yeah. Right. It's uh, I call it the albino berm um, syndrome, where it's like eventually everything will become as gentle and stupid as an albino Burmese python. It's like they've just been I bred sure hope so that's bad. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> they've been I mean, bred so much they just don't know where, which way up is. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I hope you're. I hope you're wrong there. I don't know. <laughs> it hasn't happened my stuff yet. I. I really. Well, actually, I have a couple of pretty stupid snakes. Actually. So. <laughs> Everybody's got a dumb one in the collection. They are like, what is wrong with you? You guys saw the video that I did, uh, what to do if a snake bites you and doesn't let go. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. That's my one. I probably could have made 10 of those videos by now because she's just so (laughs) stupid. She thinks she's going to eat. She bites me. Then she tastes me, and she's like, well, it's in my mouth. I might as well eat it. Hang on. (laughs) 
it's like her her tail is getting callous now. It's not working anymore. <laughs> I figure something out, but she, yeah, she's pretty stupid. Uh, yeah, it's when you keep working after it's like the snakes like hanging off of you or like whatever. I gotta clean these babies. Like that's when you know you've really kind of just broken yourself as a snake keeper. Is just whatever. It'll get tired and let go eventually. I gotta clean these babies and then go away. So I do that with some, but I I think you're underestimating the size of that. Size of this thing. All right. Well, <laughs> that one's pretty. Uh, yeah. She's pretty. Lovely. So yeah, like, she's about twelve. She's about twelve feet. So oh God, that would kill Eric. I mean, like, you know, dude, dude, don't ever go to Garrett's, Eric. Like, you know, that's, you're in danger. No, I well, think Eric, Eric was born into it. You're fine. Yeah. Well, you I still think of that story. Uh, I still think Dad. of that story when I first went to Matt in the tall mm-hmm. spot, right? And I'm checking out his stuff right. and we go through all the short tails and whatnot. And he's like, he has that big uh, female retake that he had. And he takes her out, and, you know, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know. This is, uh, this is a big snake, you know. And then all of a sudden it starts, like, climbing up my leg, and it goes and, like, slowly opens its mouth like it's about to, like, <laughs> chomp on me. And, oh, wow. And Matt saw it, and he, like, he's like, eh, I think it's time to put her back. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, whoo, okay. That could have been, that could have ended badly. But, uh, yeah. I had a new employee that I was training earlier this week and she was opening one of the snake tubs and I go, now that one will. And before I can finish my sentence, it like latched onto her. Oh. Yeah. It was, it was a little guy. It was probably like three and a half, four feet or something like that. And he, he just got a mouthful of sweater, but I was like, I started to tell you, you're supposed to use a hook for those. That's going to be you know, like teachable moment, teachable yeah. moment. This is why we don't open retic cages with our hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. This is trial by fire. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Uh, in all honesty, though, and I think carpets are like this, too. You know, a lot of people make fun of them for being like, for example, uh, carpet pythons have a reputation for being very nippy as right. babies. Yeah. Sure. The yeah. retakes are the same way. But for those of you who have bred them, I'm sure that's one of your favorite traits about them, because the, the yeah. dumb, lazy ones that don't eat are the ones that drive you mad. Yes. The ones that are like nipping at you, and even if they do get you, it feels like scratching yourself with the itchy side of Velcro. You know what I mean? But they <laughs> right. eat every time. Yeah. I'll take that any day of the week. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Same thing with males. I will take feisty males. Yes. Yep. I'll take a thin-bodied, aggressive male any day over a fat lug that just sits in the corner. Right. You know. Yeah. I think I think from like a production standpoint, that's a a major advantage that. Um, yeah, or actually I should say really just a disadvantage with ball pythons in particular that I'm surprised they have, you know, lasted as long as they can. So many people that have to feed live or have a hard time getting them started and stuff mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, I mean, with as many of them are produced, you would think, you know, you'd want something that eats a little bit better Then when you do get them started and they're like two years old, they just stop for a year. They're like, never mind. They start again. I, I I can't stand that stuff. You know what I mean? I, give me a carpet. Yeah. Give me a retic. You know, right. I want something that's like, no, I'll eat a wooden spoon if you put it. In. <laughs> yeah. Gar- give me give me the garbage disposals. Have you guys like, ever yeah. had a snake swallow a hook or tongs? Yes. Yeah. No. So yep. that's yep. that's it's yep. Number one so quality to work for. The yeah. snake is pretty. The price is right. Will it swallow tongs? <laughs> I'm gonna be able to. Work. I'm going to ask that question now belly. next time I buy a snake. You know, will it yeah. swallow tongs? Yeah. What's the weirdest thing this one's eaten? I mean, yeah. can we get into some kinky stuff here? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> yeah, we, me and uh, it was funny. Me and Rob were having this conversation about carpets eaten, and, and, and uh, you know, there was. Uh, I guess it was it was uh, brought up from that. I don't know if you saw that picture, Owen, but there was like a picture going around of this um, like morbidly obese carpet plate that was sitting. What, on like the it, it Oh, I, I thought you were talking about the one that um, there's a video going around of like it ate a beach towel and they're like pulling it <laughs> out saw, of the carpet. I saw that one. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, that. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, I've seen tons of those videos. Where it's like of, one. No, ate a shoe. Yeah. One ate a shoe. One ate a tennis ball. It's like, yeah, that carpets are garbage disposals. Horrible, horrible. Yeah, if you have a carpet and it's not eating, there's there's three things that are going on. It's either it's breeding season and it's a male, right? They're not going to eat. It's grass, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Or it's sick. Other than yeah. that, I have never like this whole idea of like you can't switch from one to the other i mean i'm feeding carpets chickens one week quail the next week rats the next week yeah rabbits, it's glorious you know it's just yeah. like it's great fantastic retakes oh, yeah. are the same way yeah i love it oh yeah yeah absolutely you get them started they just don't stop and it's i mean it's great like i said some people might not be used to having such an intense snake or whatever and that's why even if i get Small, you know, like some of the bloodlines are pretty small. I mean, your guy's mm-hmm. stuff is too. I, I, I mean, it's all relative. I'm thinking in terms of big retics. When you get something that grows up and it's like 1,500 grams, you're like, wow, this is microscopic or whatever. Right. But just because it's that small, I'm always like, mm, maybe it shouldn't be your first snake. You know, like they can be a little up there and in your face. You know, you might want to just be at least a, a confident handler. You know what I mean? At at, yeah. at the very least. So, right. but. Anyways, well, yeah, I was gonna say before we get into it, uh, you know, uh, reptile community has had a huge loss this this week. Um, Forrest Fanning has uh, passed away, and um, yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm just at a loss because uh, I was listening to his podcast. He did a podcast on Saturday, I guess it was, and I just finished it, and then I heard the news, and it was like, wow, you know, I was just taken back. I know he was a a big fan of the show, and I thought he was like a, an unattainable guest, if you will. But mm-hmm. uh, when we actually had him on and got to know him, he was um, just such a down-to-earth, passionate guy. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So yeah. I think I think that's how everybody saw him. You know what I mean? And it it really is. I mean, it's crazy you're saying he did that Saturday because he he passed away on Sunday. Yeah. And it was just such a crazy, unexpected, to just. You know, just I don't know. I we've been miss losing too many good people in the in the reptile industry, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it always seems like like with him, it's amazing what he had accomplished at yeah. such a young age. You know, like you're you're saying, he seems like an unattainable guest, and and yet down to earth and all this stuff. He's built the zoo. He's into academia and the conservation of stuff, and. You know, and then I mean, even just for anybody that knew him personally, uh, we were pretty good friends. But um, mm. you know, he just had, he has a young kid, one-year-old named Lars. Um, you know, his wife Desiree, all that stuff. It's I mean, it's just absolute tragedy. Yeah, it's it's you know, it, it kind of reminds me a lot of it because um, I met him. Uh, I only met him once, unfortunately, because I never. I guess we'd never really run into each other again um, at Tinley Park, and you know. He was uh, kind of like a larger-than-life kind of guy, but he was really cool. Immediately took me behind the table. He's showing me off all this cool stuff that he had, and he's just talking my ear off, and it was great. And it was just like just met the guy, and he was all, you know, 
yeah. a, a welcoming and stuff like that. And it was really cool. And um, it, it, it's a shame. And it totally reminds me of being at Tinley Park when um, Rico passed. It's like you had one person yeah. that kind of like transcended above just the simple like his little corner of the reptile industry to where you know everybody's kind of feeling this um whether you worked with the same animals that he did or not and it it is it's kind of like devastating and heartbreaking especially if you start thinking about like with what garrett said you know lars and his wife and it again it's just hard to put into words it just really really sucks i think so because he was he was what like just mid 30s i guess 30s yeah 30s okay yeah Yeah. so a little older than me yeah i I think of that and that you know because i'm i'm a whole 10 years older so you know i'm 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 pushing 50 (laughs) you know and it's kind of like uh yeah and you just start to think geez maybe i i don't have as much time as i thought you know what i mean we take that stuff for granted oh yeah Yeah. and uh that's kind of what kicked me in the ass to uh get to australia you know, and to, to, to keep going back, it's like one of those things, you know, you, you, you put these things off, you know, I'll do it, I'll do it next year. I mean, Owen, how many years did I talk about, you know, doing that, you know? Um, how many years have we been on the air? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. Yeah. That, that long, yeah. So right. it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes you, it kind of checks your system because it's like, everything is kind of fleeting and it does make you kind of think about a lot of stuff. So, um, and it will, I mean, obviously I know Tinley's going to be rough for a lot of people. I know, um, his memorial service is going to be rough for a lot of people. I know it's going to be rough for a lot of people the next couple of days. Um, but eventually everything will kind of get a little bit better and we can think about him fondly when we do this kind of stuff or when we work with animals that we got from him and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you, you know, we, <clears throat> they, uh, they are planning to do a, a charity thing and yeah. I know there's some immediate financial need for the family and stuff. So it's really, really cool that they do that. And this is one of the best things about the reptile industry is the way that they step up when somebody's in need like this. And that's really what makes me proud to be a part of it. Man. But, um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I think everybody's trying to dig deep and, and figure out ways that they can that they can help out. And um, you know, one of the things that uh, that I'm doing with Forrest, I I don't know if you guys know this, but Forrest used to give me all kinds of crap for being a retic bro and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And he was just thinking like, you know, all the retic bros driving their lifted trucks and. <laughs> And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. At all their tattooed sleeves and, <laughs> and manicured beards, you know, doing their morph breeding or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and I, he used to make fun of me all that time before he really knew what I was looking at. And then we went to a couple of shows together and he just saw me absolutely geeking out over normal brown and black little snakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, a, like, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. And he's, I remember him looking kind of sideways like, hmm, so what's this actually all about? And I started <laughs> showing him some of the locality stuff. He was very uh, passionate about the Karampas, um, which are, are rare and, and unattainable. That's kind of his M.O. He loves that kind of stuff. So he, he pushed big to try to get some of those um, as we had some success with that locality. 
but because he couldn't, uh, and I, he was always so frustrated at me because I, I have my like first come first serve rule, and uh, he always was like, "Let me buy my way to the top." And I was, <laughs> "No, you go pound sand. I'm just a retic, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> Over here making everything you yeah. want. All of a sudden, you know what I mean?" And uh, but your what we did truck with your like just little soul patch and that's like, right. You're, yeah. you're like exact opposite of everything he's throwing out at you. you yeah, know, I never like... really thought of that. Instead of the big beard, I've got the, yeah, soul, got the patch. soul patch. You got Instead the classic the truck. Yeah. I've got the '69. Yeah, C10. That's pretty funny. Everything just in miniature. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of riding like the big Harley Road King, I've got like a little Sportster that I put yeah, in my Yeah, he's a booth. marketing genius. He should have known. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything small. I even have like the toy poodle for a dog. Like, oh no, it's it pretty crazy. I didn't, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. Oh, it all comes back yeah. anyway. <laughs> but yeah, we were in uh, L.A. and I was talking to Dan Maliri, who is obviously an importer. I'm sure you guys know who he is. I mean, he specializes in bringing in all the cool stuff from this part of the world that we all kind of, you know, gravitate towards. You know, Southeast Asia, and um. And Dan had done a couple of shipments of super dwarfs mm-hmm. and, and he got a few bags of them and parceled them out, you know, and, and kept the ones that he liked. And I knew that where they were. And I used to bug Dan all the time. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to breed these someday. I've never bred them. They, you know, they, they've been eluding me and it's on my bucket list and I've got to breed these pure hit Kalatoas. Mm-hmm. And we were there one time, and uh, Forrest, using his amazingness, was able to talk Dan out of a pair of Kalatoas oh. that I had been telling Dan to sell me for probably five years, oh. and, well, four <laughs> years, if you want to be accurate, and Dan sold them to Forrest right in front of me. Oh, wow. And I was like, I told you I'd pay you whatever you wanted. What is you like, I don't understand this. What's and you know what? At one point, I had offered Dan like five grand, and I think Forrest ended up getting him for like four grand. I was like, what is happening? (laughs) But, uh, you know, we made a big thing of it and everything, and Forrest was like, you know, I'm I'm a keeper. I'm not really much of a breeder. Can I send these to you? Do you think you can breed them? And I was, you know, telling him how hard the wildcat females were, but I did have um, some established females at my place that I could at least start with the male while the female gets established and we'll try it and see how it goes. Right. Mm-hmm. And his thing was, I mean, he was very big on preserving the pure locality stuff. And so having, you know, the way Dan is when he imports this stuff, I mean, he goes out to those farms and he mm-hmm. picks the animals while they're still over there and, and brings these things in. And he had had a few shipments over the years, but these Kalatoas were like, I mean, first of all, they were, they were some of the last imported before the ban, which you were talking about that, Eric. We, we cannot bring in any retics of any kind to the U.S. anymore. Oh. So these are some of the last, like, pure locality uh, superdors brought in before the ban. Um, they, they were labeled as Kalatoas the whole time. Dan brought them in. I got them from him. Well, Forrest did and then handed them to me, I guess. So technically, there was a chain of ownership. <laughs> chain asked of me the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Picked the bag up from behind the table and reached over and gave it to me. Hmm. Such a punk. But, <laughs> um, but he actually had really high hopes for that. I mean, he knew that those animals were special. I'd been talking to him about Kalatoas all along. And, and he, he just the other day, um, I got eggs from Uh-oh. that blood. 
for the first time. And so I I was actually really excited to show him because the other thing he gave me crap about all the time, he said breeding loans never work, Mm. which I don't really disagree with. I mean, a lot of times they can be pretty, uh, pretty tumultuous, I'd say. But I was like, dude, with with us, it's going to work. It has to work. You know what I mean? Two guys like this, this is going to be fun. It's going to be easy. So um, he kept saying it wasn't going to work and everything. But then when I got the eggs, he he kept, you know, his company's called Zoo Dreams. Mm. Mine's Reach Out Reptiles. He's like, dude, we need to name. I, I was talking about naming bloodlines, how I didn't like how breeders put their own names on bloodlines. Right. Because, right. because it actually obscures information in some cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's only one animal, sure, why not? I got one pair of these. This is my bloodline. But if you have multiple animals that you're working with, you call them all one bloodline. I don't know if I am getting unrelated animals from you or not. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I like naming, like, you know, I, I think a lot of people know my white diamond bloodline. That's named after an animal, you know, which is just like dogs or cats or any other thing. You name the animal. This is champion whatever dog, you know, son of, yeah, you guys have, son of Bullwinkle, right? right. Classic. Yeah, 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 SOB, so, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. That was yeah. fun. Creative. So, so Forrest's big thing was he wanted to call this the Reach Dreams line, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that is so cheesy!" That I was like, "So great!" Name a bloodline of something as cool as known locality Kalatoas, and I mean, these are some of the best-looking Kalatoas I've ever seen, and I have dozens of them, you know. Right. And uh, these things are just an, uh, on another level. And you want to call them the Reach Dreams line? And like, we have to, we have to. And I was like, it's never going to happen, you know. Uh, but yeah, so you know, we're talking about raising money for them. One of the things that I've I've kind of decided to do in the last few days, just to prove his uh, his his dead ass wrong about breeding loans, is um, any any money that we make from the Reach Dreams bloodline. Um, I want to set something up. I got to get together with Desiree and see how she wants it. But I just want to send them the money from that bloodline yeah. because it should be that way. It's ongoing. I want to, I, I really do love this bloodline. I want to build it out in my own collection, right. but then as release it along the way, um, any of the money that's ever made off of it can, can go towards those guys long-term because a, a good bloodline like that, if you can even get a couple of clutches a year, I mean, you're talking about 20 to 40 grand a year. Yeah. Uh, Long term. So that that I think would be really cool. I know everyone's going to come together at Tinley and all that sort of stuff. But I'm trying to think. I mean, he's got one year old kid. You know what I mean? That's 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 what kills me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it reminds me of uh, I mean, he's right up there in my mind with like the crocodile hunter. You know, his kids barely remember him here about how great his dad is all the time. Yeah. Um, So. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's 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 really cool, Garrett. That's a stand-up thing. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. So. so the Reach Dreams Bloodline, guys. I have to call it that at this point. <laughs> I love text messages from him to arguing yeah. if they call it that. So if anyone wants to get into the Reach Dreams Bloodline here, let me know in about two months. But anyway, no, just a huge, huge loss. And I was yeah. really looking forward to... Um, you know, between that and and his uh, support of the Karampa project that we're working on here, and the other like actual locality stuff, I was just really looking forward to working with him on this stuff in the future. You know, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's a loss. It's a huge loss. Yeah, it is. 
So, but you know, like you said, I'm, I'm totally a believer that the community is going to come together on this one and, and, and stun me again with how generous they can be. Cause all I can think about is uh, Rico. I can think about uh, when Bob Fudo got sick. Hey, there, there's a long list of people that when they were down in the community kind of pulled behind them. So, uh, yeah, I think they had a, a record year for Batman when he was struggling with the cancer. Yeah, yeah. Talking about Chase uh, over there at uh, Justin Kabilka Reptiles. Yeah. Um, and they raised in the six figures. <laughs> yeah, so that and that's but that's a was a combination I think of the stuff for the U.S. Art charity as well as his thing. But I, you know, I mean, I don't know. We'll yeah. we'll step up. We'll step up because you know Forrest deserves it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, <clears throat> so so you have that um, locality. You have well the two localities you talked about, but how many different localities at this point are you are you working with? Um, I think I have something about ten or eleven localities that I'm working with, but they're not all dwarf and super dwarf. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. The the dwarfs, some of them are just like kind of classic cool snakes that I enjoyed from my childhood, which just like the super dwarfs and stuff, I mean, uh, a lot of them people have never even heard of. They're not a marketable thing. I'm just into them. You know, I, I just like that stuff. So if I ever need to make money on them, they're there. Right. But but um, but really the, the focus of retail reptiles as far as from a business standpoint is just the dwarf and super dwarf. Mm-hmm. And this is where they're really parallel, I think, with the Morelia stuff. You guys have tons of morphs. Yep. You guys have multiple species and subspecies. Uh-huh. And then you have localities. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so and, – and it, it can be – it's kind of mind-boggling when you start to put the stuff together and when you try to, rec- you know, record what bloodlines are in a certain animal, mm-hmm. it can get a little bit, uh, it can be, like, you know, like an algebra problem, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, it's really hard because, like, with our locality stuff over here, it's just the average of two numbers, but still most people in the reptile, in the retic community seem to mess that one up somehow, <laughs> but, <laughs> it, you know, it's like adding and compounding until you get 118% Superdorf, smallest ever. <laughs> yeah. You, can't you know, you, la- you laugh, but you laugh, but I've seen it. Um, oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> so actually, uh, you know, the, I, I guess I'll give you like a quick rundown on the way that it works, but there's all yes. kinds of morphs. They come from wherever. Nobody cares, and they just bred them together. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest difference between our community and the, and the Morelia community is that not very long ago, all of these animals were classified as python reticulatus, period. Yep. That's it. Okay. You know what I mean? So sure. now we have um, – Three three recognized subspecies, which is pretty ridiculous when you look at – I mean, reticulated pythons have this massive range over tens of thousands of isolated localities. So to, to say they all are three Great. subspecies is pretty – Stupid, you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I think all of us that that have any kind of common sense and have ever tried to study a scientific name of anything before could realize that a family like that would easily be broken up if it was studied more. Yes. And it simply hasn't been. In fact, the three subspecies we have are because of the pet trade breeding dwarf and super dwarf retics. Okay. So. 
What happened? Yeah. So what happened was like, I mean, you know, retick is a retick. Everyone's bringing them in and breeding for morphs. And then they're bringing in these, these tiny things in the very beginning, they just called them super dwarfs. You know, localities wasn't really like a thing for us and nobody cared too much where their retics come from. The only exceptions back then were like, you know, you would get like a Bali yellowhead, um, where you would get a Sulawesi and people kind of knew like, Ooh, those two have a different look. If you want the, the clean, um, you know, inky black with the bright yellow head, you want something from Bali. If you want something that's just wild and chaotic looking and just brilliant contrast, you want a Sulawesi, especially if you want it to eat you. Um, that's, that's when you go to the Sulawesis, but, but at any rate, um, People were bringing in these these animals. They just coined them super dwarfs so that they could kind of keep the locality separate, try to monopolize mm-hmm. on them for a while, mm-hmm. which they successfully did, and and brought a lot of the stuff in, and and they were immediately bred like you know that original albino retic that Bob Clark had in the nineties. Yeah. One of the first things he was bred to was a superdwarf female, you know, and that was before superdwarfs were a thing, and. Um, you know, they they were imported. He made uh, Superdorf head albinos, and, and the Superdorf albinos debuted on the market only right after the very first albinos did, captive bred albinos, wow. you know, because he, he bred it to a mainland, and then he bred it to a Superdorf. <laughs> and there was no locality data on any of those back then, but people were, you know, scientists were looking at the pet trade being like, okay, these are wildly different. You're talking about something that, like I said, is like, you know, five pounds sometimes instead of 150, you know? Yeah. It's a big, it's a big shift. Yeah. yeah. The scales are different. The patterns are different. They have colors that are different. The temperaments and personalities are different. Everything is different. How, I mean, this is definitely going to be something different. And they knew that it came from an island. So if it's insular, you have all the more chance of that being an isolated population long enough to become its its own thing right right so so anyway they ended up splitting them and so basically what they did was they only studied that island chain so just like our uh talk on the last time i was here there's a island chain it's kind of like the florida keys and extends down from the island of sulawesi And it's there's seven localities, even though there's probably like I think there's a hundred islands down there in that that general region. That island chain is is smaller, but there's certainly more than seven. Mm. There's even a couple of big ones like an island called Bonarate, which is there's not any, um, you know, any evidence of retics from there that I can find. But it has to have them. It's huge. So and it's right in the middle of the island chain. But um but yeah, it looks like the Florida Keys, and what they what is really cool is that that island chain straddles that um, Australia Asia line. You know that people like to fudge with over the centuries. People keep drawing lines all around <laughs> Sulawesi Island, saying to the right is Australian, to the left is right. is uh, right. you know, Asian, and this island chain goes right through the middle. And the cool thing is there's two subspecies genetically distinct that this was all proven in 2002. Um, from that island chain. And the ones that are to the left, which is, it's going to be the islands of like Slayer and Tombalongan, uh-huh. match the genetic, um, you know, match up closely with the genetics of the Sulawesi retics, okay. but they're small. And then you have the everything to the right, which is Jampea, Kaiwadi, Kalatoa, Madu, Karampa. And those match more like snakes from Flores, which is to the southeast. So, 
it's it's pretty cool that that line actually divides two two different species. But so far, you know, I mean, reed ticks. I mean, this is very generalities, but just so people can imagine a globe, they pretty much stretch from India to Australia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They're they're not in Australia, but but that entire area. Everything. If you drew, if you loosely drew a circle from India to Australia, that's where retics live. And to say that we looked one time at a little island chain quickly, you know what I mean, with a couple DNA samples, and we got two subspecies in that island chain. Every other retic is currently classified as. So they they renamed the genus to Malaya python. Yeah. Uh, and then you have reticulatus as the species, and and then reticulatus, the nominate subspecies, is everything except the dwarf and superdwarf retics. The dwarf and superdwarf retics are split into Saputriae and Jampayanus currently. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are plenty of differences between even the localities within those subspecies. Oh, my God. So, boom, there you go. Big rundown, history of retics. Now, the reason why I think it, it looks like the carpet python scene is that you guys, you, you have a much more mature market than especially the dwarf and superdwarfs, but even retics. Um, you guys have seen it all. And, and as far as like, I mean, there are some stunningly good looking animals that are simple locality crosses, right? You know, you get your diamond jungle brettles, nope, you know, God, what I mean? the screams, and right? Yeah. I, I know, I know. Well, you know, this actually the screams, like, why are you screaming is kind of what I wanted to get into this. <laughs> I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to pick your guys brain on this because Here's the thing. You guys have been through it all before. You've done the experiments. You've you've ridden out the fads. Things have come. Things have gone. And and it's all cyclical within the reptile industry. But certain truths kind of remain. Like, for example, if you breed something into a pure locality that isn't from that same locality, the babies from there on out forever are crossed. Yes. It doesn't matter how much you breed back to one side or whatever. They're never pure. It's gone. Yep. It's yeah. it's gone forever. Yep. So, um, I kind of like, man. I've been I've been shouting from the rooftops about so like my company. We do a lot of stuff. So part of what I do is you know basically any retic morph is not a dwarf or super dwarf. Uh, the only exception that you could potentially theoretically get one. It's kind of up there with catching a unicorn though. Is aneurythristic. Okay. Right. So you could get an, an anerythristic pure locality, kind of like you can get a, a pure IJ granite, right? Sure. Yes. Uh, so it, it's kind of like that's the one, but they've been crossed out so much that there are actually no proven ones that are have been available since I've been looking. I have some proven like adults, but I'm only able to make hats with them at this point just because of the rarity of the pure locality. Right. So. At any rate, and I don't know that I want to you know, make everything a recessive morph because you can't get away from that either, you know. No, you're uh, right. You, you breed too if, much into that. If, right. If every IJ was a granite from now on, you'd have lost a lot of cool stuff that sure. they have to. Yeah. Um, but Eric yes, would have nothing. Eric would just be there. <laughs> I mean, like, it would granite you know everything. what to do. It's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and people don't realize, but these mutations are always a loss of information. 
They're yes. always there. There's always a loss. You know what I mean? So you might think it has brighter color, but it, what it's actually happening is a reduction of melanin. You know what I mean? Or, or a lesson pattern over it that exposes more of the background color or whatever. So when you, when you start to breed those, there's a reason why, you know, if you get a five, six, seven gene snake, they always look like a patternless banana. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter the species. You, right. you take all the information away and there's nothing left. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, but basically you like where I'm getting into, even just since we've talked the last time, guys, this, this segment of the industry has really taken off Good, and it's great. But yeah. some of the things that like, I would consider myself like one of the old school guys for this, like there were certain like, you know, rules that were set up in the beginning, for example, if you do have a morph superdwarf, for example, it would be unethical to label something a superdwarf in a sales ad if it was less than 50% superdwarf blood. That would be like calling me Cherokee Indian. You know what I mean? Sure. Or like St. Patty's Day is coming up. Everyone's going to be Irish, but it's like, mm-hmm, you're Irish. I got gotcha. <laughs> you. Know what Part I mean? of Ireland you're from, huh? And never yeah. mind. <laughs> I think Brian Cusco likes to claim he's Irish, 2% or something like that because oh. it was a great meat test or whatever. And a dude looks like Maui from... from right. <laughs> But, um, yeah, everybody's Irish when that, so, I mean, everybody's a Kalatoa when it makes sense to financially to be a Kalatoa in the market. And that's kind of the problem now is that, you know, people are learning how to selectively breed for size and things like that. And people are noticing like, well, sometimes you can have a little bit lower and it might stay a little smaller. I'm here to say sometimes you can have a little bit lower percentage and it can get a lot bigger too. Mm. But, um, you know, so we're starting to see, people kind of make up their own rules and it doesn't, it, you know, if you're, if you're a cynic like me, it doesn't really take a lot to be like, mm, you seem kind of biased. You, you, first of all, you only started doing this when they started to become worth money mm-hmm. and all these rules you're making up seem to benefit your collection only. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like low percentage is the new thing, you know, because I can't produce high percentage stuff or we don't know what our localities are, but it's cool because they're all one subspecies. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know what I mean? Cherry picking science. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. Exactly. the rest. Okay, cool. And it always sounds great until you, you know, like when it's out of context. Right. But. But I think what's happening is people are prioritizing the sale of their own animals, which they're, I mean, it's understandable they're heavily invested in or whatever, right. over any kind of like, uh, you know, greater sense of, of preservation for these. So, you know, like we talked about when they can't be imported anymore, you know, and a guy like me that's all about locality stuff, I should be devastated, right? But by, in contrast, I mean, that's literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I think it's the best thing that's happened to dwarf and super dwarf retics too. Right. Um, the Carampas that we just made, that one locality, for example, is exceedingly rare. And, uh, you know, now that there, there's a guy out there that's been catching them and, and, uh, he learned that he can probably get a couple of bucks for one, you know, wild caught adult and they come in and they're haggard and not established and, the U.S. can't get them anymore, but that island is a little bigger than, like, Central Park, New York Central Park. Oh, wow. So how many retics can it really, really – I mean, bear in mind, like, there's no source of fresh water there. You know what I mean? It's a pretty rough place to live probably. Right, it's basically right. like a coral reef with some mangroves and, and coconuts on it from what I hear. Um, but uh, 
there can't be too many snakes there. No. And I think in the last year, um, I've seen 60 adults stripped from the wild. Wow. And, oh, Jesus. And that's not even the way to collect. I mean, Eric, if you're trying to get some new IJ blood, I mean, you want a young one yeah. from the wild. You don't want yeah. some old adult animal. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, they're next to impossible to establish and breed. So, But that's not what's happening. The Karampas are, you know, I, I think they probably all congregate, you know, like, say, in a cave where there's some bats to eat or something. And then it's kind of like rattlesnake dens. You find Easy one. Picking. Yeah. Yeah. If you catch them all, you just strip the whole county of their Jeez. population, right? So I'm... I'm like ecstatic. We were able to produce the first captive bred ones in the U.S. There's, um, I've heard of some success overseas, but um, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that the, those localities are correct or whatever. Um, but uh, but these are, I mean, they're the they're the first ones, and the the current population that I'm aware of of Kalatoas in the United States is five. Oh my God. Yeah, and then we so they're like you know, King Horn Eye, right? Or something like that in the US. Yeah. Except instead of coming from all of Australia, they come from a, this little rock, you know. And um I've got three of them here. One belongs to me and two are here on breeding loan to try to preserve the locality. And we hatched eleven. So we just okay. tripled the population in the US. <laughs> um and to boot, I mean, it's just been a great season, but I have a second clutch. Both females went for me this year. That's so awesome. I got two clutches, the only two clutches of Karampas anywhere. And, um, you know, and they were great. That was one of the things that Forrest was really cool about. So, but, you know, we, there's already a pressure where uh, for people to be like, well, those are the same subspecies as, say, Jampeas, which are like the ones that you got from Matt Minatola, you know, yeah. props anyway. And uh, let's just go ahead and just blend those together because they're the same. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's but so they're not. <laughs> it's like there's there's something well, different there. And well, yeah, what what's different? Maybe you can explain it to me. Well, what's different is that, like, I mean, what you're telling me is that there's like what you said five until you bred them, and now there's a more established population. But the problem is, the second you breed it to something outside of the locality, it's gone. Now that thing's over there. It's a, it's like a separate branch on a tree. It's you can never bring it back. And God forbid something happens to your founder animals and stuff like that, if it goes completely out there, you may be stuck with morph project of this one locality. You'll never be able to get back the purity of it, especially if it's a tiny island in the middle of the ocean that has been stripped of all retic. It's, it would really suck. Yeah, yeah. Garrett, let me ask this question. Do you, do you is, is the legitimacy of the locality pretty i mean you guys don't struggle with that part of it do you as far as like if you didn't collect you... it in the wild how are you going to know that that's exactly <laughs> no that's no it? this that's it that's another one that's i mean that's the same for everybody well show me the gps coordinates of where it came <laughs> Fight from me. how about that it's, you know what i mean and God. so that's the other argument oh, how do you know it was in the first place and the people who say that are the ones that are trying to you know, like up the price of their mutts, you know what I mean? To, to try to use you as a, as a, uh, you know, if you're a real estate agent, you take comps from the neighborhood sure. and they're like, well, look how nice my neighbor's house is. You should pay me more. It's like your house is a piece of garbage, dude. You live in a box <laughs> right. next to a man. What does that make your, you know, like, 
I mean, I'm being a little bit harsh, but you know what I'm saying? They're, they're using, trying to use your animals as comps. And, and it's like, these are not comparable animals, you know, it's just not a, it's not a comparable animal. But like you said, once it's bred out, it's gone forever. So yes, we, we do struggle with that. And that's kind of the other thing is like, what what you end up getting, I think people have good intentions when they buy stuff, right. but then once they've bought it and someone calls in to question the validity of their locality, all of a sudden they're like, well, who are you to tell me? I bought it as this. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? What right, right do you have over the buyer and the seller? They're the ones that should know. Sure. And so the ultimate authority on what locality is is what you bought it as. But I'll tell you, I you know I've worked in a number of different things with retics, I or, or with reptiles. I have never seen a more misrepresented animal than any of the pure dwarf and super dwarf localities. Mm-hmm. Those things are just thrown around, and then the names are people are inventing. They're throwing dwarf and super dwarf uh, names on new localities right. that come in that aren't even from the same subspecies. Okay. Saying you know you know it, it's just it's like I said, it's like the wild wild west. Everyone's making their own rules, right. and it's like. God, 20 years ago, we had these rules, and scientists looked at what we were doing to, to you know, redefine reticulated pythons. Right. Now it's all about, you know, pew, pew, like a cowboy shoot from the hip. This is what I got. You know what I mean? Like, hey, right. you know, why wait on a waiting list? I got one right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you said that was something else last week. You're like, yeah, but now I know the true. <laughs> I've true learned. I've researched now it. Now it's this week. <laughs> compared pictures. You know what I mean? Like nobody can really tell anyway, you know, the difference of these localities. I only have one, but nobody can tell. You know, right. it's like, guys, I mean, it's driving me crazy. It's still got to happen where I think constantly people are telling me I just bought a super dwarf. I'm like, where'd you get it from? Oh, that guy. I'm like, you just bought a normal retic. Like that is going to get huge. You have no idea. If you really want a super dwarf, you need to do your research and make sure you're buying from well, isn't a that, super dwarf breeder. It's like right. I, isn't that the issue though? Like, I mean, you have, you know, I don't, I don't. Maybe Garrett can comment on this, but like you see. Like we kind of keep ourselves within a bubble in the Morelia world, right? We're we're kind of yep. surrounded by by people that kind of know what the the deal is, you know. And then like once you start to like look outside of that bubble, you realize that, you know, that's why I started doing the carpet cliff notes and all that kind of thing. It's because really I'm trying confusing. to get that information out there. And like it's just like Garrett said, you have you have subspecies, you have species, you have localities, you have morphs, you you know. And on top of that. You have things that, you know, back in the day, at one point, carpets were legal to import, and now they're not, you know. Um, right. But, you know, back then, I mean, if you look at the at the uh, taxonomy of the carpets, I mean, they were kind of lumped all together, you know. And, mm-hmm. like, I mean, think about the high-contrast Queensland's carpets. They weren't called coastal carpets. They were called high-contrast Queensland carpets. Right. Like, there, was, there was no Morelia Spilota McDowell after that or anything like that. And it's like... Nope. I think sometimes when you're getting these new people into the hobby, I don't know how we do it and, and, and are able to reach other than doing podcasts and videos and YouTubes and, and all this different stuff, but like to try to get that message out there because it is, it's overwhelming, you know, and it's, it's it, you know, you're just going to think that it's, you know, somebody's telling you it's this and, you, you know, you're just like, oh, okay, and 
next thing you know, you, you go and you, you, I don't know if you get these posts, Garrett, but in the retick world, but it's like, what is my retick? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets those. Posts. Oh God, I hate them. <laughs> I get, I get no joke. I probably get 12 to 20 private messages with that every day. Oh what is my retick? The worst ones are. Hey, what is this? I just rescued it. And what should I breed to it? And you're like, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> well, see, and I, I kind of want to explain why this is so frustrating. You guys are laughing because we know, but I, I'm, I'm right. afraid of viewers that are like, I don't know what they're laughing at. Why is that a bad thing? You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. And, and I, I just, I think it's crazy that, you know, there is no, if I was into like champion German shepherds, you know what I mean? And I make sure that my dogs have good hips yeah. and I can trace all the bloodlines back to Germany and all this kind of stuff. And they're these gorgeous, beautiful, you know, well acclimated things that are, that are bred specific purposes. And I mean, they've got 10,000 years in their bloodline of doing yeah. whatever you're supposed to train it, the German shepherd to do. And then I walked into the pound one day. I was like, that looks a lot like my dogs. That one. <laughs> um, I could probably make a lot of money because my dogs cost $10,000 and they're giving this thing away for free. Right. <laughs> or, or, you know, I, I'll tell you what. Why don't I give everyone the benefit of the doubt? I'm going to breed this to my $10,000 dog and I'll only sell the babies for 5000 And I'll still call them German Shepherds. Right. But, you know, it's like half the price. You know, like, hey, I'm passing it on, helping you guys out with my, you know price because I didn't pay anything for this mutt that I bred into the lines. It no no one no one would do that in any other, you know, type of animal. No. So so what is it about reptile people that are like you know, I everyone out there says we specialize in the most highly, you know, greatest bloodlines of selectively bred blah 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 and and yet their methods of of getting their collections are like scraping anything they can find off of the you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if if rescues and auctions are how you get your breeding stock i'm oh sorry then you say selectively that's the mm -hmm. wrong word. It's right. like, I don't keep on using this word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I think it means. <laughs> Selectively means you carefully chose something. It means you would rather wait six months or a year to get that right animal to be the foundation of a new bloodline you can be proud of after mm -hmm. raising this thing and breeding it. It doesn't mean you just bought the thing with the same price tag as how much money you had in your pocket and then said you're the highest quality selective breeder. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I don't know. It's frustrating because... I don't want people to make the mistakes on their own because it's always the animal that loses out that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Especially with, with dwarf and super dwarf retics because you're not just talking about color and pattern and, and whatever a Latin name on the thing is. You're talking about the difference between a chihuahua and a and an arctic wolf. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. And you're buying them as babies, and if you don't know, you don't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if you buy that thing wrong – it's going to overwhelm you and it's not going to end well. And it's, and it's always the animal that, I mean, I guess it's occasionally the human that, that, you know, right. is bad that way, but it's usually the animal that yeah. gets bad in the end. So how do we, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. How do you guys, first of all, like, can, can we get into, into the needy gritty a little yeah, bit? Yeah, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Don't all, right. all right. So you, I mean, you're saying you can't import carpets anymore. I guess that's new to me. Even like IJs and stuff. <laughs> oh well, no. Well, you can't no, do no, IJs. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, IJs don't count as actual things. So, you know, well, it's, I, I'm just, I mean, for me, well, <laughs> uh, 
for, for me, so you're talking about Australian stuff. I'm Correct. talking about talking about good carpets that people like. You know, those Why are the ones. You? You can't. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, for the record, and I know I've said this before, the IJs are still my favorite. Listen, yeah, there we you go. Know, and as I much shit I like to, as much I, as I like the shit I like to give Eric. They are the ones that if I didn't love coastals, I'd be playing with those because you can literally still get the wild ones and the insane colors that come in from those farm hatch babies. You can build 10 projects out of like a pair of animals if you wanted to select. And that's what I like to do for different I like colors. To have like the diversity within one locality. Yeah. I take yeah. ever and you're like, oh my gosh, the black is two scales wide. No, not one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And other people are like, well, I put five jeans together and this looks like nothing on the planet. And you're like, well, you know, I mean, that's cool for five minutes, but mine's gonna <laughs> mine's gonna take freaking fifty years before it becomes cool. So there. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's probably similar to me with the IJs, it's probably similar to you, Garrett, with the super dwarfs, maybe. I, you know, I'll just I'll give you my impression. You know, I kind of got into them into carpets and you know, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm just saying like here's this species or subspecies whatever you want to call it at this point um and you can get it from wild stock and you can import new bloodlines and nobody's doing it and i don't understand why nobody gives two shits about it and then i started to take a step back and you look at like why coastals and jungles are so popular well number one they've probably been around longer that's number one but the majority of the morphs are in those two subspecies that yep. are in carpet pythons. And, you know, you have yeah. this granite one that's kind of wonky and just was inbred and whatever. And, you know, just a little outbreeding would fix that. But, like, there's so many varieties and patterns and colors. And, and it's just, like, it's, like, untapped potential. And I think that finally, after what? Oh, and me crying about it on this show for the past nine years. I think episode one you started, and we're still <laughs> and, going. And people are starting to. I think they're becoming more and more popular. And right, I, think I mean, people plus, are seeing the the plus side of it. You know, I mean, we've you know. also hit the thing of like we bred jungles to be completely black and yellow animals to the point where everybody has stunning black and yellow jungles. Now what? Oh, right, we we have nowhere else to go with them. Like now, maybe we're getting white and black ones, but that's it. Right. That's really it. Um, IJ and Coastal have a ton of still untapped potential. I'm a little mad because Coastal had the established lines that all got, like, bred into Tiger and Jag and all that fun stuff. So a lot right. of them are lost. Right. Plus, also, IJ, I think, has the better color, especially, like, if you compare Coastal, Exanthic, and... IJ Exanthic, it, it pains me to say that. Oh my God, I can't believe this, Garrett. We're going deep on here with all it, pay, it pains. Me <laughs> I to thought say, this might be an interesting episode between you guys. I mean, it pains me to say that IJ Exanthic is much better looking. Like, it's got a lot more crisp blue, and the contrast is really nice, and I hate it. So, um,. Oh, but, it, it gives you a base too, like you said. Yeah. The IJs, once you do work with them, you know, and you, I'll tell you what I think it is. I, mm. Do you want to know what I think makes them popular? Wow. Go ahead. There, there's two things. One's easy, one's hard. Okay. Right. The easy thing that makes something popular is the price. Right. Yes. You know, Borneo earless monitors started to come in a few years ago. They were worth like 20 grand. Everyone's like, dude, I gotta have one of those. And then everyone's like, wait, <laughs> so this true. is just. This is just 
poop. This is just poop. <laughs> and they're like, but the blue eyes. And you're like, but they're the size That's of crap. a head. You need a, a macro lens. <laughs> they're like dragons. You're like, only when you blow it up on your desktop, it's the size of a leopard gecko. <laughs> Who else grew up thinking that those things were like the size were of size a water bonnet? Heel monsters. I thought they were the same. Like, it yeah, was just that. And, no. Wait, no, no. This is literally like if, if I found one of those in my retic cage, I would roll it up in the paper and throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> but they were expensive. Right. So everyone brought them in, and then they're like, wait, no, it's just poop. And they all died. Like, where's all those? I mean, there was hundreds of them brought in in a period right. of like a year right. while they were clearing off the entire island of Borneo to, to make, you know, palm oil or whatever. Right. But right. Uh, now that that's all gone, it, it, nobody – I mean, there are a few people who are doing it, and, and kudos to those people. You know, I don't want to make fun of them. I, I actually think they're pretty cool, but – I have low standards if it's a reptile, I think. Right. So check. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So. But but so that's the easy one is money. The hard one, and this is the funny thing, society likes to suppress people who are nerds and people who are geeks. But it but it's the super nerds that mm -hmm. dictate there that's the hard way. If you're a super nerd about something, yeah, uh, you can bring value to something. So IJs have been around since I was a kid. You could have got it. I, I think I told you my first exotic snake was a, a carpet python, and I'm pretty sure it was an IJ. I'd have to go mm -hmm. take some old pictures and stuff like that because I didn't know back then. Sure. But, um, you know, uh, they've been around. There's been – even as long as they've been around, there's been people who, who were selectively breeding them for, like, the honey gold color or the bold contrast. Sometimes sure. people like to stripe yeah. one. Yep. You know what I mean? But it was on a smaller scale. Nobody – Nobody majorly specialized in that. Nobody dedicated their lives to IJs. Right. And so they stayed kind of like, yeah, you know, they're the $35 to $100 snake, whatever, right. uh, all, all through the decades. And now, Eric, I mean, I know you like to pretend you have diversity over there with your I'm going to breed every <laughs> Right. Hopefully you still have at least a couple of cool rare retics for me. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, um, I mean, it. it you are you are dedicating yourself to the IJ stuff now, and yeah. like you said, it's starting to come around because yeah. you all you have to do is take three generations and a vision and no money in between, no financial reward other than being such a super freak that you hatch a thirty five dollar snake that and you geek out about it that people start to want that one, mm -hmm. and then it gets to the point where you're like, well, no, you can't have that one. That one took me too long to make. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll grow it up and get you some babies. And they're like, okay, put me on the list. Right. You know what I mean? Or I'll repeat the breeding next year, but I'm telling you, only the top 5% look like that. And this is an un unestablished bloodline. People are like, I got to get in on that. Right. You know, and then two or three other people get it and they push it further than you because they were mm -hmm. excited because you told them no first and then they got it. Right. And then it becomes epic. Right. So it's the super nerds that, that's why I say it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me that. I couldn't bring any fresh blood because the truth of the matter is I really don't think a retic is a very good animal to go pull out of the wild and put in your house. They're, <laughs> they're awful. Yeah. They are awful, awful animals. They, they hate you. It's like it's... They do not like you, and they, they, they flip back and forth between 
you're going to eat me, I'm going to eat you. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the various reactions that, that stem from those two th- trains of thought. I'm going to eat you. No, you're going to eat me. No, I'm going to eat you. It's like, here's my mouth. Here's my butt. Here's my mouth. Here's my mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is terrible. But, but the animal itself had a lot of potential. Right. So, you know, I'm glad that they're not there because the truth of the matter is we have all the localities here. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're patient and willing to wait for somebody, a super geek, to actually develop them before you buy them, the problem is I'm going to make carampas for the first time ever, and they're like a month old, and then five other people are going to suddenly have carampas for sale on classifieds. Right. You know what I mean? At, yeah. at half the price that I sold my babies for, which is 10 times the price they ever could have thought they could have sold that thing for, mm-hmm. you know. And somebody that isn't willing to wait for me to actually grow up the only Karampas around and, like, breed them so that I can release a couple, um, you know, the people that aren't willing to wait are going to buy into those projects and then say, hey, how do you know anyway? Maybe mine's legit. You don't have GPS coordinates on yours. (laughs) They they all look the same to me. Whatever, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, that's – you kind of feel bad for the person who's going to fall for that and buy into it. Because it's like I've seen uh, numerous bloodlines of carpets that appear on dealer websites and things like that because they just Googled it or whatever the hell. And, um, you know, different phases of white lip where I'm like, no, no, that's just a really, really young gold face. It's not a black. You can tell. And people are buying that for six, seven hundred dollars when Dan's been selling baby blacks for 15. And it's, you know, you see all that. It's just some people seem to take advantage of. This Somebody one has the same label, but it's cheaper. So exactly. I'll buy it. And oh, you know. dude. Oh my God. We went to we were doing a show once and we had I was selling one of Eric's lightning line jungle carpets. Mm-hmm. And some dude literally came over. He's like, Well, why am I gonna pay like five hundred for that when there's one over there for a hundred dollars? So I'm like, because the one over there is gonna turn brown and this is a lightning line. You're buying the, the, the work that the breeders put into this animal. He goes, they all look the same. I'm like, you can't buy this animal. Go away. Like, now now I don't want to sell it to you. Go to hell. It's like, you know. People yeah, so, don't appreciate So you guys have the same kind of frustration, I see. It, it happens. It comes you know, the, the thing that, that really bothers me about it is, you know, like, Carpet pythons, there are a lot of people that work with different Morelia stuff from different directions. That's what I'm saying. It's like a, it's a very well-established segment of the hobby. It's been around right. for a long time. It's here to stay. There's a reason why people like those snakes. They're very cool, and they connect with a lot of people, you know, and they'll continue to do that. And as new fun stuff comes out, you'll get the morphs that are like – hypo yay you know what i mean and it's like invigorates people again and that's that's great that's a good thing and then they get those and they're expensive and then they're cheap i don't know are the hypos cheap yet are they still expensive not yet (laughs) yeah so you know but i think about things like um you know bread lie or rough skills you know that are like oh my gosh that thing's like owning a dinosaur, you know, and, and then they're like 300 bucks. You know what I mean? Eric's freaking giving them to like little kids at carpet fish. Go ahead. <laughs> Take whatever you want. You want actually, um, th- this year we're going to load bread lie into a t-shirt cannon and we're just going to like <laughs> off of Eric's deck, you know, and you get a bread lie. And baby you bread get lie a bread lie. Yeah, exactly. Viv, you know? Yeah. Pshoom. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there you go. And, you know, for me, that's like a, a lifer type of a thing to own, you know. But 
but I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough thing. So, so with me, my segment is not as well established. There are a few people who've been doing it forever. Right. And then now there are a lot of people getting into it. So like if you saw the list of names of my customers, they're, they're names that you would recognize from other species. Like, oh, that guy is getting super dwarfs. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And which, which I'm very proud to call those people my customers because they're super geeks of their own, you know, whether it's a ball python guy or carpet python guy or green tree guy or whatever. Sure. Those guys are like super dedicated to what they're doing. And I know that they're buying them like that. Right. Um, so it is going to expand, but that's why I kind of want to like glean, uh, glean some wisdom from you guys before it gets to that point, because I, I like to be a positive guy. I don't like to say things bad about other people. Sure. And to be perfectly honest with you, this is my business. So it's an absolute conflict of interest for somebody to, to say, hey, what do you think about this locality animal I just bought from so-and-so? It really doesn't look like yours. That's because it's not. Right. Like, I, that's the problem. I know, but I can't. I don't want to say that. I'm you not know? here to police those guys. You know, yeah. I always say, like, I love stealing this quote. I, I think it's yours, Eric. Originally, you vote with your dollar. I mean, I don't yes. know. Which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you vote with your dollar. You support that breeder and you support his bloodlines. And then if the bloodlines are worth a damn, they can support you. Yeah. I mean, like, just like we talked about this one bloodline, the, the Reach Dreams bloodline, you know what I mean, should be worth a few tens of thousands of dollars every year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you can support the purity of that bloodline, it will support you long term. Right. You know, and if you're supporting a breeder that's there to make a quick sale or or he labels something as though it's not because he can get another 50 bucks or – and sometimes – the you know the justification I can hear it in their in the heads of the sellers they're like well I mean I can't even tell the difference so I don't believe anybody really can yeah yeah it's... Me, I have stuff like we have a there's a morph called a marble in retics it's kind of like a granite IJ it's, mm-hmm. it's incomplete dominant sure. so it's that that type of pattern and the Karampas have a very busy chaotic pattern like that just as a locality right and so i hatched the karampas and and somebody you know you're saying oh and like you know what's my read or what's my read? <laughs> this guy's like this guy's like hey i've been doing my research and this thing was sold to me as a marble but i'm pretty sure it's a karampa take a look it looks just like yours and i'm like no Damn. no it doesn't yeah <laughs> you know i i get you know, with that, Garrett, that's always been like any time that I've ever gotten into debates where they they get heated. And I as of, you know, in the early days of NPR, I probably got more involved in that stuff. And mm-hmm. now I just kind of I just it, I just kind of realized that people are going to do what people are going to do. But I think I, I just kind of took a step back and I looked at my progression with carpets. And yes, I bought a carpet from a pet shop. And most of the people that I've that know me that got in around the same time would have probably have done the same. But early early nineties, mine. I said I think it was an IJ. Came from Petco. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone, everyone was afraid of it. I brought it home. <laughs> right. So you know, you brought it home, and I fell in love with the species. You know, I fell in love with them, and it led me to sort of want to learn more about them. And then I realized that what I have is not what. I was told it was, but it, because I was passionate about that species, um, you know, it led me to want to figure out what, you know, to learn all I can about them, you know, and um, 
I mean, shit, it's, <laughs> if you look at that, if you look at that little thing, that's where Carpet Fest came from. You know what I'm saying? So it's like my, my, the, the love of that species led me to learn more and want to, and want to, want to be more involved with and, and learn from the people that knew. I, I, I see this a lot and maybe you do, you guys do too, but it's like if you're older in this hobby, somehow your ways of doing things are wrong. And it, it just seems like, and, and maybe it's just the circles that I'm in, but it just seems like it's always like, you know, uh, we're, that's probably what it is. All us old yeah. guys getting together on a podcast and, <laughs> and talking about it. Yelling about kids on our lawns and right. shit like and we, that. Yeah. We don't even, if we really knew what we were talking about, we'd be doing this on TikTok right now. <laughs> Yeah, right. Is that a clock? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 I try to, st- I don't, I know Owen, you'd never get involved with any of that crap. Oh, no, hell no. <laughs> Way away oh, from that stuff. oh, hell no. I've well, been but it's frustrating to... because, you know, I, you've done all this research and you, and you, and you know what you know and like you want to share that with people and, you go and you get onto Facebook. It's like the worst and best thing that's happened to the reptile hobby, in my opinion, at the same time. Yeah. And it's like you see these people and they're talking about things. And it, it's, it reminds me of like when I go to visit my in-laws in Florida. They'll start talking to me about reptiles and they're talking to me like they're experts and I'm the person that's learning. And I'm like, you're wrong. And they're like, no, we live here. We know. And I'm like, no, you're but wrong. You're, wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong. It's not correct. That's not true. That is not true. And they're like, yeah. I'm telling you, this is what it is. You know, like we have cobras here. And well, I guess in Florida it's possible. Well, the water moccasins like, chase you. Yeah. But you know yeah, what I mean. Right. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 I mean. yeah I don't know. It, it is frustrating. I So, I mean, I guess for, for, what what I was kind of thinking is coming on here with you, I knew that you guys would have a lot of similar frustrations. Yeah. So let me bring up some of the issues that we are starting to see now in the last couple of years okay. in the in this burgeoning dwarf and super dwarf as they're being developed. And like we finally have morphs that are reliably small. You know what I mean? We, we finally have established. So like, for example, out of the locality stuff, there's seven of them, I said. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be able to offer five this year. I don't know anyone that's even like owned one of each of five of the seven localities, and we're gonna have five babies for sale. It's crazy. We almost had six wow. of the seven localities. So I mean, it's tremendous considering like so we just had Jampeas. That's the first time they've been bred in the U.S. in ten years. You know the the uh, Carampas that we just did haven't never been done. Right. You know, um, Kiowatis were done like in the 90s, and then they took a huge hiatus. And only in the last couple of years have we seen a, a few clutches. So we're going to get some of those. Um, and then we'll have the uh, the Slayers. Last clutch was 2016. I've got two clutches incubating. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's just it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. So it's great. So, but, but it, just so that you guys can help me out and I can just say, maybe go listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When these things come up, because I, I hate dealing with the, the specific questions on this stuff. And I'm, I'm happy to try to help people, but because it's my business and basically people never come to you in advance, do they? They come to you after they bought something and they bra- they tried to brag about it on a social media platform and everyone ripped them a new one, right. you know, and then they come to me asking like, hey, uh, I bought this from this guy. I guess we'll start here. 
Yep. How about the notion that because somebody's loud or outspoken or posts a lot, that they are an authority on a given subject? You know what I mean? Like, well, this guy has a great reputation. And you're like, does he have a great reputation because all the respected keepers of a certain species praise him? Or do you think he has a great reputation because you see him all the time? Because everybody saw Hitler all the time in Germany. Right. You know what I mean? Like, sure. you yeah. know, did you ask all the world leaders how good Hitler was? Before you, you know, made a judgment about his. So, so that's the first one is like, if, if you're loud and you talk a lot, are you, are you reputable? I mean, I, I think that even the way I'm presenting it is like, uh, no, obviously, you know, but. Well, it's, well, yeah, I mean, we've had a few, quite a few of those, right, Owen? We have, <laughs> I mean, we, we have the thing where it's always somebody. The problem is, is that um, somebody will post something up on line and, and the problem is, is that the good thing is is that we've trained the people and the sharks that all swim at the Morelia pick of the week um to do like what what they're supposed to do it used to be somebody would post up what's in my carpet and the thread would take over the entire page for the day of people going like nah, I see some IJ in there it looks coastal to me and it would just be insane until eventually somebody would post unless you have lineage records you have no idea Everything is speculation. You will have no idea. There could be anything in there. I could show you animals that look like they're diamond pythons and tell you that they're high percentage jungle diamonds, and you wouldn't tell. You wouldn't know unless I told you. So everything is speculation. And eventually that became the answer that kept poking up on these things. People would throw the picture up. People would say these things, and then the answer of you will never know would emerge and eventually kind of slowed down, and that became the accepted reality of unless you bought it from a breeder you have no freaking idea what's in it um and during that time you'd get the people who would be the first ones to post underneath those pictures and be the latest ones and they always somehow got this reputation of being really big and really reputable people because they know because they've kept four carpets and they all respond to their names and come when called and like that's not reputable you're just loud right I, th and I think this goes back to probably the idea of facebook being both good and bad right yes so most yes. of the people that are rep what i would consider reputable right um people that that know whatever whether it's retics or carpets or whatever it doesn't matter um mm -hmm. they're busy taking care of their animals so they, they don't have time. <laughs> exactly. You know well, I mean? and they, I think that I think that's a security thing too. Like uh, maybe I'm old, but when I see someone making posts every day and blasting this kind of stuff, it's just like you feel like you have a certain amount of insecurity about it. The guy who's like fine over there, he doesn't have to post this stuff as much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's an established, it's a well-oiled machine at this point. You know what I mean? Like, hey man, if you want to IJ. I don't know. I mean, the first thing that I always do, some people love to ask me, who should I buy this from or who should I buy that? Because I'm sure you guys get these too. Hey, do you have yeah. any uh, leopard tortoises? Right. No. <laughs> no. No. How do you even what find my – What? How, yeah, how do you have my number? You know what I mean? And then they say, well, who should I buy from? And I, say, I always say, you should find the biggest nerd of that species. Yep. Somebody that loves that species more than anything else on the planet. Yep. Not somebody, you know, like, so for example, if I'm going to buy a ball python, there are literally thousands of breeders to choose from. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of them got into it because 
what Forrest used to say of the calculator cowboy thing. This is a get rich quick scheme. Right. You know what I mean? And sure. if I learn, uh, if I learn a Punnett square and the mode of, of inheritance on these couple of morphs, I can get rich. Right. You know what I mean? And then there's other people who are like truly even today still pioneering morphs and development in that species. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're, they're just freaking mega nerds with it, you know? And usually those are the people they're working with like, simple things. They're not just buying the next most expensive morph. They're like, you know what? I think everybody overlooked this one before it yes. was done. Yes. You know what I mean? Refin- and I'm finding it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go back for 10 years now and work with this thing because I think it has potential here, you know? So if you can find somebody like that, that's who you should buy from. But I mean, how would you guys, let's say I'm a, I, I'm going to go buy some kind of Morelia, uh-huh. right? And I'm, and I'm shopping and uh, so how would I vet a breeder? Because I, I feel like I can tell everybody, like, well, look, if you if, if you really want to know what your Superdorf is going to look like, you can just ask me. I'll tell you. You know what I mean? If you're buying from my bloodlines, I know my bloodlines. When yeah. you come to me and you say, hey, what is this from someone else? I can't give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't know what that is. All I've right. never seen it before. You know what I mean? But if you come to me, I can tell you what it is. So... I can't just sit here and tell my customers only buy dwarf and superdwarf retics from Reach Out Reptiles. Right. You know, I mean, I guess that's what every breeder does, but yeah. it's kind I mean, of like I don't like. I just it's it's yeah. It's well, used, I, I, used car sales, Minnie. I'm not the pressure kind of guy. I'm like, look, well, if you want this stuff and you like it, I I have some. You know right. what I mean? But I think well, of like uh, the you know when we were at Tinley Park and we were in Carpet Row, um, mm-hmm. you know the the. The one year, it was like we had the perfect mix of all the different uh, stuff, you know, yeah. Stuff, uh, you know, whether you wanted a coastal or a jungle or an IJ or a morph or whatever it would be. And, you know, the, the beauty, well, this is why I particularly am fond of the Morelia community in particular, is that, you know, that person would walk up to the table and they would say, you know, I'm looking for a jungle. Well, I'm right next to Julie. Well, check out Julie. She has some really cool ones. Howard has some down there. You know, see that guy sitting behind the table, Andrew Paris? He probably has some. You, you should talk to that guy. You know, and, uh, you know, we did uh, a couple times where somebody was trying to get uh, unrelated um, IJs. So they bought one from me, and then they bought one from Luke. You know, and I think yeah. that was like the first snake I ever sold. I'm like, woohoo, yeah, I can't believe it, you know. But like the idea is that we kind of work together, but at the same time, you know, promoting our st- and vice versa. You know, they would be like, well, you know, if you really want a, uh, you know, a really nice uh, yellow type of IJ, go see, go see what Eric has because the, the bloodline that he's working with will give you that. What I have is not that same thing. Yeah, like that. you know, which is great. But then you've also got you got the guy the next row over that has fifty different species on his table, and he's saying that yeah. his carpets are the best. Don't go down that next row. You know what I mean? These sure, are obviously right. the best at the most reasonable price, and those guys are ripping you off or whatever. Sure. So as a customer, how do you? I mean, how would you find out? How would I find out if your stuff is is good? You know what I mean? Well, well if you really the wanna... problem is is that you got to have that mistake. You know, I. I think a lot of people have bought that one carpet and then they realize that it is a mix. And Ooh, if you just they, gave me a brilliant idea. Okay. I, I, I have, yes, I answered my own question. Go ahead. Okay. 
This is what you need to do for everybody listening. Uh-huh. If you want to find out where to buy what you want, go find a random picture on the internet that kind of looks like what you want but isn't. <laughs> Post it on social media and, and say, I just bought this bleep. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> right. yep. I, I could go get some, like, you know, like just random locality, whatever, little brown. Right. I just bought this IJ. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a high contrast line. You know what I mean? Yep. And and post it on Morelli Python Radio, and everyone will say, "You idiot! If you didn't buy that, you shouldn't." Have. And then write it down. Then then that's right. where you go to. Yeah, so it's- okay. So if any retic guys are listening to this, go get a good. Just get a generic, normal retic picture off of the internet. Right. Post it on social media and say, "I'm pretty sure this is a Kalatoa." And then you're gonna find out who actually has the Kalatoa, because after the fact is when you learn. Right. It, yeah. that, that's happened a lot with carpets where you buy the animal and you realize, you know, as you're getting into breeding and stuff like that, that these animals that you purchased just at the show randomly, they have no, they have a ton of question marks. And then everybody kind of has that one time where they sell those animals or they always have that one animal that's like bigger than all their other carpet pythons and is funky looking. You're like, oh, yeah, that's blockhead. That's the one I had when I first got in here and it's we have no idea what genetics it is but it's just here as a pet it's not part of the breeding because that's what got you hooked and then you learned what you needed to learn and then you learned who to go to just by seeing who's around and asking around and things like that but you know people are going to make those mistakes where they purchase that animal that they think is pure from somebody who has no background information on it and they're going to realize where all those question marks are and if they're truly passionate they will correct their mistakes, uh, kind of figure out where they got to go if that's where they really want to go with a certain species or animal. Probably um, the worst carpet when it comes yep. to that kind of stuff is the diamond pythons. I mean, yes. those, those... Oh, my God. <laughs> that's like that's like the Superdome retake, right? They're always misrepresented. <laughs> oh. oh, God, yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. They're probably the, you know, and they're probably the ones that the majority of the diamond python community do not cross like it's a no-no to cross you know so like as soon as you you know uh you know breed it to a a, a jungle jag to make diamond jungle jags it's like you know no <laughs> no yeah, you know that's it and you know it, it, but the but the other hard part with 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 carpets just to go back for a second is it's the variability that you see in the wild. I mean, yeah. I don't know how that plays out with retics. I don't know if their phenotypes are pretty much, uh, you know, the, the Island stuff, not, not quite so much because I mean, you're probably dealing with pretty severely limited gene pools. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's variety, but when you work with it, you like somebody it. told me today, like, well, I saw this, this picture of this one in the wild that doesn't look anything like the ones you have. Right. And I looked at it and I was like, that looks exactly like the one. That, I mean, <laughs> right. what strength are you looking at? And they're like, well, it's kind of stripey. I'm like, oh, well, yeah. Some okay, are gonna stripe. Right, yeah. Right. Some are going to have more striping. Some are not. But every other trait is perfect. You know what I mean? Like, sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But, okay. Um, so, how about, um, let's see, the big the big debate of like i think a lot of people like to uh poo poo hybrid stuff yes yes right okay yeah. now now some people make hybrid stuff and and hey that's great you know what i mean so so Whatever. 
Yeah. Like, but there's also like different levels of hybrid. Yes. And and uh, at a certain at a certain, point, certain lines you don't cross. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Everybody has it. their limit. Yeah. There are has certain their lines that yep. you. Well, here's what's funny. Mm. Some people think it's okay to cross two things as long as they're really close, and some people think it's okay to cross them if they're really far apart. Yeah. And then there's obviously the people that like, never cross anything ever, but they just like to say that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So they but, break. Yeah. So for example, if you had something like a um, you know a, a chondro diamond, you know jungle, right? right? What do they what do they call those? Help me out. Carpondros. You have a carpondro. Yeah. That's a that is a species hybrid. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's a completely two different on the species level hybrid. Yes. Right. And but, uh, and anybody, my two-year-old, can tell the difference between those two. Uh, 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 no, because wait, a carpet I've, and a chondro? Yeah, I, I have think not a carpondro. Oh, anybody oh, oh, can tell not the carpondro. <laughs> okay, I thought you were talking about telling the difference between a carpondro because we saw. Oh no no no! no. Okay. between the two parents. Okay, all right, I got you. Okay, yeah, yes, okay, I, I'm on the level now. I'm sorry. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, uh, that that's one kind of a hybrid, and some people right. are like, never hybridize things, you know, because it's an abomination to nature, is the one I always hear, mm-hmm. and 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 I always, personally, I think that's, I, I don't understand the logic of saying it's an abomination to nature, but anything else we do in the reptile industry isn't. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You know, genetically defective snakes. And yeah, no, like it's, it's or, or yeah. even just taking an animal, moving it halfway it around the world. Yeah, you take it from a jungle, move it halfway around the world, you put it in a box, and you make it eat frozen lab rats instead of, you know, right. bird of paradise or whatever it wants to eat out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, that seems like even more of abomination than nature than to create something artificial in an art- artificial environment, right. you know? Right. Yeah. So. But I obviously I'm showing my cards on that one, like yeah. <laughs> so, and and it's it's a matter of opinion. But then the other thing is like so now let's say for example you have at the species level, okay. and and the funny thing is this changes or I'm sorry the subspecies level, right? This changes constantly. Yes. Yes. Constantly, and yes. all these people that are like, you I believe science. Science is fact. You're like science is study. You guys, you know what I mean? And it's like it's our attempt to classify things that are magnificent and wonderful around us. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yep. So you can if 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 you're going to go with the this is the species thing, the subspecies thing kind of drives me crazy. So for you guys, jungle carpet python, right? Mm. You're pure, mm. you know, whatever line, San Diego zoo stock jungle carpet python, same subspecies uh-huh. as your coastal. Mm. Well, it depends. Well, uh, that's one of those things where it depends on who you talk to. But here's how yeah, I science. Would, science is fact. Here. Science is fact, and <laughs> right. I, it, but here's it, here, it will eventually. My, get my point to is, point. it changed, right? Yes, yes. They did not yeah. used to be the same, and it would have been an evil sin to cross them. Yes. But now they are the same. Yes. So it's okay. In the now name, okay. in the name of preserving genetic diversity, we should cross those suckers, right? See, I this is my approach I, with that. I'm, I'm saying this because this is the the new thing in superdoors. That's oh, exactly God. what they say. It's a comparable, you know what I mean? They're, and and they're saying, you know, you would say something like, uh, 
don't make a morph because right. it's a hybrid, right? Because right. all the morphs came from the mainland stuff. Right. But as long as it's pure Malaya Python reticulatus jampayanus, which covers, by the way, five of the localities that I work with are all jampayanus. <laughs> oh, my right? God. Okay. You know what I mean? They're yeah. all within one subspecies. And sure. They're saying it's pure it's pure jampayanus, like it's the most wonderful, and you know, like, which I, I don't know what other, like what all localities lie within the same subspecies as the, you know, the jungles and the coastals. But what say you? I, you want to go first? Owen? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I will. Cause mine's going to be real easy. <laughs> um, but it's my, my problem is, is that we sit here and we're saying that jungles and coastals are somewhat, uh, are, are, are the same. The problem is, is that we're looking at us based jungles that have not been, they don't look like the jungles that you see in Australia, no. yeah, that they don't look the same. So it's harder for people to comprehend that because we've line bred jungles so much that they're these black and yellow things, they don't look like the jungles you'd see out there. And I would also say that if the coastals and jungles are close to each other, I'd say that they're probably more closely related than coastals and jungles that are on separate sides of the continent from each other. So I would say that if you really want to say that they're the same, Yes, they are, but I would have a problem breeding certain localities to each other if they are on different sides of the country. Um, as far as as far as the United States goes, you have no goddamn idea anyway. So you can probably do whatever. I'm but, going to, oh, go ahead. But I will not cross my Brisbane's with anything else but Brisbane's. And if I had your um, Gelatins, I would not cross them with anything but gelatins. I think if I bred a gelatin to a Brisbane, someone would come and beat me to death with the complete carpet python. Like I mean, now the, the gelatins is that a locality or a bloodline? That's well, both, but it's a locality yeah. of jungle carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go super nerd on you. All right. I'm gonna, yes. go, I'm gonna go super go. nerd. Bring so, it. Okay. So here's the thing: when it comes to jungles and coastals. Are they the same thing? So when the complete carpet came out and it kind of was lumped in, where people were losing little nuance of that is that you have the Black Mountain Carter that's right there in Australia, and it separates the northern group of jungles and coastals from the southern group of jungles and coastals. And basically... But there's jungles and coastals on both sides. Yes. So... You have jungles that are on both sides, but the jungles, uh, the jungles in the north are more closely related to the coastals in the north than they are to the jungles from the south. So do you know that your jungle came from the north or the south? Like, and, and this is sort of the struggle when it comes to carpets is like you don't. You really don't. So if I had a gelatin jungle um, and I was going to breed it, to uh, a, tel- a Tully locality jungle or a Palmerson or whatever. Um, you know, gelatin is the northern form, and those other two are more of a southern ranging, um, you know, uh, jungle uh, carpet. Um, well, the other issue that you, that you I guess you, I didn't realize this until you actually go to Australia, but there's like pockets of rainforest. Mm-hmm. And when you're in these pockets of rainforest, all of a sudden, a coastal carpet looks like a jungle carpet because they've adapted to live in this environment, and the specific colors that they are help them blend in and not get eaten. So, you know, the 
you know, and, and once you sort of get outside of that jungle, then they sort of look like coastals. So are they the same snake? I, I guess they are. But to me, I go super geek when it comes to that. And I like to separate all that. Like, so even though. So what, what we're kind of getting into, I think, is the definition of what is pure. Mm-hmm. But you pure what? Correct. Because uh, Carpondro is a pure snake. Sure. Right? Yeah. And, you know, it's like a pure, it's even pure, like, Morelia group. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a berm ball. You know what I mean? Or whatever. <laughs> so, so uh, if you get to subspecies level and you're worried about pure, if you're going to be a stickler at pure, I think, and this is where it kills me, the sub at a subspecies level, you have a lot a variety in almost any subspecies of reptiles, right? You know, um, and you have like it's like the problem with the Galapagos tortoises in the U.S. They're all worthless for conservation because they're a blend of every island. Right. Yep. And they used to say Galapagos tortoise, you know, the big one on those islands, and they were all the big one on those islands until they looked a little closer and they're like, crap, these are all like actually pretty different when you're not just looking at a kindergarten book. Right. About, you know what I mean? Sure. And here in the U.S., we've bred them all, and it would be atrocious to go put them back, you know, all over those islands, you know, because of our, our bloodlines are, are so mixed up now, you know, yeah. and they're worthless. And they've, they've since, since all those breedings were done, they've split them, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so if you're going to be pure, I guess the next most specific level, diving in, further than subspecies because you can be more pure than mm-hmm. pure subspecies. And in, in fact, depending on the reptile, what I'm hearing, and I agree with this, is that just because something's a pure subspecies doesn't mean I want to work with it. Correct. I, I would consider a lot of animals at pure subspecies level to be a mutt. Yeah. Right. And and you might they might be great pets, you know, because a great pet is something that you love and decide to take care of. Mm-hmm. Sure. And can realistically care for, right? You know, so that might be awesome. Or like in my world, we're breeding in three dimensions, right? Color, pattern, and size. Right. Yeah. So you can have a great, pure subspecies animal that is the perfect animal to breed into morphs, to continue shrinking them down because they are already mutts. Mm-hmm. Right. But between the next most specific level, which would be localities. Right. Yeah. And and localities kind of change a little bit too. You know what I mean? But if you're from a certain region, like the tighter you can draw a circle on a map, the more specific it's going to be. So mm-hmm. the great thing is if you have a tiny island, that's already a pretty small circle. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And maybe there's a east-west side or something and you can get even micro specific, but you know, when I look at so growing up in the southwestern United States, we get things like rosy boas we would go find or, say, Texas gray-banded kings. Yes. <laughs> the localities, the circles, people draw on them. The, the more a super nerd right. develops a locality, right. the yeah. tighter the circles are. Right. Right? So, so gray-banded kings are a great example because they're named after, like, intersections along a highway right. that you find them on. You know what I mean? The circles are so small. And with that species, it's important to draw them that small because there's, mm-hmm. like you said, little pockets. Right. So now, let's say you're breeding pure jungles, right. which it's pretty hard to, you know, how do you know, you know, GPS data, how do you know it's a pure jungle? Sure. You know, but 
um, you, you've got jungles to the north, jungles to the south, you know what I mean? Or maybe something that looks like a jungle, but it's a coastal that moved to the rainforest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if do you guys have – now that's what you're talking, gelatins or, you know, those are all localities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, sure, they, you know, like – as a as a uh, as a super nerd about the super dwarves, I don't care what science tells me these things are. <laughs> right. I, right. I was I was breeding pure what I consider a pure bloodline before there was any subspecies at all. It right. was just Python reticulatus, but I didn't want the Kalatoas to go away. I didn't want the Jampeas to go away. That was the first retic I ever had. Right after I had that IJ or whatever it was, I got a, a wild caught Jampea that. You know, bit me and musk all over me, and it was love at first sight. You know, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and this year we like we just hatched the first jampeas in in a decade in the U.S., but they're the first ones that I've ever hatched, which is kind of like going back and restoring the first car you ever drove. Right, hmm. it's a pretty good feeling, and right. it, like the Parampas were cool because you're like, hey, look, world history. You know what I mean? But I didn't actually care about that. Like I, I did those because I, I saw that no one else was, and I yeah. do. I mean, they are the king of this. They're the, they're the smallest retic locality, so they're very extreme. But I like jams. Right. Jams are my IJs. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, but it's taken me 20 years to come full circle and actually produce a clutch of them, which is pretty cool because it's really hard to even find a male and female right now. And I'm unwilling to cross out into pure subspecies or something that looks like a jamp or whatever the case may yeah. be. I think for the most part, when you have the people that like, you know, okay, so again, it, it's it's funny you say super nerd. Most people that are into locality carpet pythons are are that level, you know, because let's be honest, like some of them, they don't look like, well, here, you take a Palmerson jungle, right? You have a mm-hmm. Palmerson jungle. Um you know, they really haven't been as selectively bred as, say, highlighter bloodline jungle carpet, which both are beautiful in their own right. But I think for whatever reason, people gravitate towards the highlighter thing and probably because of the look, solely because of the look. But I never could wrap my head around, at least when I was getting into carpets, why a locality? I mean, it's a locality. You know, and then yeah. the people that want to poo-poo it will come out and say, "Well, how do you know it's a locality? The GPS, blah, 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 blah. did you pick it up in the wild?" And to a certain extent, I guess, yeah, I agree with it. But half of this shit, like, how are you to know? You have to trust somebody along the line, like, because right. we're not going and collecting these animals. So at some point, whether it's Dan from DM Exotics, whether it's Cam from Bushmaster, or whether it's somebody that's in Indonesia or Australia or whatever the case would be. At some point, somebody's picking the snake up and saying it's from X locality. I mean, you see that with the scrub pythons, right? And Chondros. And Chondros is the same thing. Whatever is the hot new locality at the time, then all of a sudden everything that's coming in is that locality. So I, I get where that, like, you know, that hesitation is for this, but... I think well, how do you guys? Because I so that's I actually had to define this pretty early on in my business right. as to mm-hmm. what animals because I'm always looking to add new genetics and new bloodlines to my locality projects. Right. right. You know the the Reach Dreams line is a perfect example. Those are animals I've not owned very long at all. Right. right. And I and I would unreservedly breed those to any Kalatoa in my collection because right. I, I think the animals are fantastic and I love it. So, so, 
you know, I don't have GPS data on those. Um, right. But basically, my I have certain things that that must have, and you know, like the, there's basically like three pillars right. um, that have to be there. Right. And then obviously, like the the best source is going to be the most trusted. So, you know, like I I like that farm that Dan goes to in, yeah. in Indonesia. That place is very cool from the Indonesian side. Right. Um, I used to live in Indonesia. I know some of the exporters and there's, it's kind of a small world out there when it comes to mm-hmm. that stuff um so uh there's certain ones that i like and certain ones that obviously don't care and they're just sending stuff and their their attitude is eh, it's cheap anyways so label it whatever makes the most money right now right, right? and that's where you get the problem because sure. if you just so like most people's standards is well i bought it as of this right well, right if you were Working with, let's say it's an import, it's tra- it's tra- going through five hands before it gets to you. Mm-hmm. In any one of those five, could just change it to try to make right. ten dollars extra. Yeah. And some people, that's the cost of their soul, you know, ten dollars. Mm-hmm, right. yep. So they'll go ahead and do that. Um, but the three pillars that I have to include something in a pure locality project yep. is a: it had to be imported as that. So, like, in the early days of Superdoors, everything was called Superdoors. A lot of the animals that were brought in were Madu and Kalatoa, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I mean, like, if, if you know what you're looking at with locality, you can pick a lot of those things out, right. you know. But I refuse to breed any of those into my pure locality. Even if I was like, dude, I'm 99% sure this is a Kalatoa and not a Madu, right? That's right, right. only 99%. I wouldn't breed it into a known Kalatoa bloodline called the baby's Kalatoa. Right. So I just no. for yeah. for my industry it's handy because I can just revert back to super dwarf, and I think that's a little bit less desirable. But I just price them accordingly. I have some pure super dwarfs right now that are probably Kalatoas. Mm-hmm. You know, the mom was a Kalatoa, the dad was old school super dwarf bloodline, right. and um, I actually made them to kind of address this issue of pure Jampeanus because people are trying to establish it. it the subspecies is less specific than the locality. You know what I mean? So it's it's easier to make those. So I, I don't consider those pure at all. Um, but those are the kind of people that are like, well, you can't tell the difference. Or, hey, I mean, snakes can swim. So they probably mix around a lot, right? And you're like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Galapagos marine iguanas can swim, and there's 11 subspecies there now. Right. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know what I mean? They swim for a living. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? So give me a break. But, um, but anyway, so one, it, it had to come in, it had to be like written on the bag, mm-hmm. the locality of it. Secondly, uh, you have to know who imported it and the, the chain of it ownership to that importer. So like, for example, the reach dreams bloodline, Dan imported it. They were written on the bag and he got, uh, I remember he got two different localities in that, um, shipment. He got Kalatoas and Kiowatis. So written on the bag, Dan got them. Handed it to Forrest, handed it to me. There's the transaction history, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then third, and and all three of these have to exist if if it's going to go like say into my Kalatoa projects. Third, yeah. it has to look like uh, the type of Kalatoa I'm wanting to breed for. Yes. Now it has and to that, look like this one. is the biggest thing because people are like, well, I bought it as this. And I'm saying like, you know, and then I'll, I'll be like, yeah, I don't know, it kind of looks like a Kiowati there, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, they they really look a lot different when you have a couple of them side by side. You know? 
But um, just like, I mean, people that don't know might think a gelatin jungle looks just like a Brisbane coastal. (laughs) You know what I mean? We we smack those people as hard as we can. But I'm just saying, like, to the untrained eye, yes. Yeah. Yes. But there's a lot of different levels of ignorance. There is. Somebody that knows. You can put two of those in a bag and pull them out and tell the difference. Right. Yes. Other people can't. And no. I'm not saying that that you should or whatever, but like that's that's kind of my point. It had to be in the bag. You have to know, know where it came from and it has to look like it. So even if I got something from Dan labeled as a Kalatoa, but this dang thing sure looks a lot like a Jampea, I'm sorry. Like it, I'm, I'm a skeptic. It, yeah. Some one of those five people might have switched that. I'm I'm tossing it, or I'll call it pure dwarf or pure super dwarf or whatever, and and do my and breed it to an albino. You know what I mean? Be like, look, yeah. now they're smaller. <laughs> you know. So, um, but it has to have all three of those. Right. So it can look Kalatoa all day long, but if it didn't come in labeled as that, it's not going into the project. Or it can be labeled, or I bought it as this all day long. But if it doesn't look the part, it's not going into the project. Right. And I see people on both sides of that that are, you know, they're selling something that really just does not look like a Kalatoa. And everybody that has Kalatoas is screaming, throw it out, throw it out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Do not breed that to a Kalatoa. You're going to screw us all up. You know what I mean? Um, And then there's there's other stuff that does look like it. And those are kind of the dangerous ones because you could sneak it up. Yeah. You breed that in, and and if it looked like a Kalatoa and you bred it to a Kalatoa, it might be a Kalatoa, and I couldn't. So these ones that I just hatched, they look Kalatoa, boy. If I told you they were Kalatoa, you'd say, those are nice Kalatoas, and I could charge you 4500 bucks for one or whatever. You know what I mean? But instead, I charge $1,500 for them, and they're probably closer to a pure Superdorf than what a lot of people would label like a pure Jampayanus or whatever. You know, but I, I'm not crossing that line, you know? Yeah. It's, it reminds me a lot like, um, uh, do, uh, Maclots pythons, um, because there's Ruddy Island, there's Timor. And, um, I think there's also another one that I is escaping me at the moment, but Ruddy Island, they have less fleck, freckling and they're kind of like just gunmetal gray a lot. And they were kind of hot for a little bit. And, all of a sudden, every Maclots python that was brought into the United States was a Roddy Island. The right. problem is, is that there was no proof beyond this. So a lot of people were buying them up and kind of going all over the place to the point where it's almost like if you don't know, you can just breed it as a Maclots python. It's not going to kill you, but you, you exactly. can't really attach the Roddy Island locality. Like, I have one, and if I breed her, I, I don't have any... You know, yeah. background beyond maybe one or two things, and there's really no proof. She looks like it. Whatever. If I breed her to a male, I'm going to sell them as Broady Island types, or I'm just going to sell them as Maclots pythons and call it a day. I'm not going to do I, – because I, I don't go as far as other people who I know who have guaranteed this thing is from Broady Island. And I feel like I would be taking away from them if I were to present – my project's on the same level as theirs, and I don't See, want to do that. So obviously your soul costs more than $10. It does. <laughs> but, Maybe but that's 15. kind of my problem is there's different snakes for different folks. I mean, there some, are. People, some people don't even know that those are different localities. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and the ones that you don't know what they are, and you're just saying, yeah, they're this 
subspecies or species. You know, what are those full species status? Uh, not not yet. I think they're all still like locality island. Not not, so, not those three, but the the family altogether. They're all one species. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's not. It doesn't share a subspecies. Or you know, they aren't a subspecies of another. They're a species, no. right? Yep. So so anyway, you know. They're they're all one species. You can just say, yeah, here it is, pure at the species level. You know, yeah. cool python to work with. You know, for those of people that want the temperament and they find one that looks the way they want and they want to experience that kind of animal, that's great. Yeah. Do it. You know what I mean. But if you want a super geek on something, don't buy generic stuff and then pretend to be super geek selectively bred. And and pretend to compete with people that actually care about the animals. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the bloodlines. So and yeah. bloodlines is another thing that I would get even more specific on. So if we're running with the, the Kalatoa analogy, for example, uh-huh. that's all one uh subspecies, but there were different originators of different bloodlines throughout the years. Oh. And so you have like Travis Kubis bloodline. Uh-huh. And, then, and then you have, um, well, like these would be the Reach Dreams bloodlines. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, there's pro reptiles bloodlines. And it's right. kind of funny if you go through the history, you're like, wait a minute. Now that bloodline's called Kalatoa, but it predates import data. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so in other words... They if, have no idea. <laughs> if I'm breeding pro reptiles, bloodline Kalatoas, that by default, based on history, cannot be a Kalatoa according to Reach Out Reptiles three peers or three pillars. But I kind of want to ask you guys about that. As far as establishing what a locality is, what do you uh, guys think about those three pillars? Because you know, I mean, you can stick within breeders or bloodlines or whatever, but if, if you're a skeptic, I mean, anybody can make a mistake, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so as a minimum, what do you think about that kind of stuff? I mean, would you pick a, a snake out of a bag and and call it something? Cause you, no, cause I don't, no, no, not with carpets, not at all. And you guys are and you guys are at the top of your game with that stuff. So if you're not going to yank something out of the bag, say that you're the world's premier expert on whatever and breed it to someone else's pure jungles because you pulled this black and yellow thing. (laughs) Why on earth would somebody stand there, stake their reputation on a Craigslist ad or something? You know what I mean? I I never understood that stuff. It's like if, if I'm buying an animal from an importer or at a show, I know what I'm getting, and I will not sit there and be like, oh, clearly this animal that I bought out of a bin from some guy who had maybe three teeth in his mouth at a reptile show that, like, was keeping it in a McDonald's salad container. Clearly, this is a pure Brisbane animal, and I know for a fact because I saw it. It's like, no, I – that – it's a carpet python at that point. If that, I don't even know. For all I know, it could be crossed with a Maclots python somewhere down the line because they look exactly like ugly carpets. So yeah. you, you can't sit there and say that. You have to understand what you're grabbing at. And if you're going to be one of those people that just wanders through the show thinking that you're going to get on the same level as other people, you're naive. You know, if, if you really care about this stuff, you will spend the time, spend the money, and – learn and then you will be on top of your game but you can't do that like i I loved your analogy with the dog with the german shepherd that's pretty much what you're doing so it It, if your plan is to breed dogs you want to 
you know, like go to somebody that you want to be like and and invest with them. Yes. You know what I mean? So if you're buying from somebody that you don't want to be like that guy, you know, if you're like my 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 greatest aspirations are to be like this guy who bought this snake yesterday and is selling it for $5 more today. That's what oh, I want to do God. with my life. Then I'm not saying, like, hey, man, you know, you do what you got to yeah. do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That's what you want to be. That's great. But you know what I mean? Everybody prides themselves on one day I want to be where you're at. It's really easy to do it. I, I like in my case, I've got 150 YouTube videos about how I do what I do. <laughs> It's a manual at this point. Right. Right. I have a whole playlist called Reptile Industry Insights. And I'm like, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And if you don't do those things and you do do those things, you'll be okay. <laughs> you know. And sometimes it might take a little more money, a little more time or whatever. Right. But honestly, you're going to build something for the rest of your life that you can be proud of, not something where you buy an animal, you show it off online and get tore a new one at, as soon as somebody who knows what they're talking about gets on there, right? So also I think people get away from is that this is your reptile collection. You should love your reptile collection. You know, I have animals downstairs that if they never breed, I don't care. They're mine. Like all of you all, I don't give a damn if my rough scales ever breed. They're my rough scales and I will love them forever. If they breed, that would be amazing. Then I'm going to have more rough scales and maybe I'll let you people buy one off of me. Like that's, that's it. It's like it, I think a lot of people get hooked into, like you said, the calculator cowboys where they're breeding animals because they want to sell the animals, and that's it. They don't have the animals that they're really into. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, years ago I had a, I was set up next to a guy who he said his passion was emerald tree boas, but there was no money in it, so he was breeding bearded dragons. And then two years later – just by mere happenstance, I was buying his rack systems off of him because he was getting out of it because he said he was too frustrated and he lost the passion. And all I could think about is if you would just that's like, a gr- that's a great story, by the way. Oh, I love that story because it's like, dude, emerald tree boas are badass. If you had built an entire collection of badass emerald tree boas, people would be paving the road to your house because there are people who are passionate about that stuff. But no, you went with bearded dragons. That everybody has, and their sister has, and Petco has. It's and dude, and then they're miserable sitting in a chair. Exactly, at a show because they don't pissed off because like, they're not doing their stuff. Yeah, right. exactly. So because they're putting all this effort into these animals that don't sell, and they're not their true passion and animal. And if it's not there, it's not there. Then just you know out. what's you know what's great about reptiles? They really are a, a splendid hobby. And yes. if you're not passionate about something, just go to work. Yeah, and do reptiles <laughs> right. nights and weekends. You yeah. know what I mean? And and like yo, you know, maybe you can make more money breeding ball pythons, and that's your work or whatever. But you know what I did before I I quit my job to do this? Do you guys know this? I uh, I, I, think I, I, I heard sold before. Yeah. I sold like inspection services. Like we would do like ultrasound and X-ray on bridges around in Pittsburgh and stuff. Like hey, this one's gonna fall down. No, oh, that one's probably okay. Oh. That's what I did. It's riveting, okay. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, super exciting. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, it was like I had a good, a good company. It was a great job, you know, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed the people I worked with. The job sucked, but that's why they had to pay me to do it. Right. You know what I mean? If it was like 
going to the Disneyland or something, you you pay to do those things. Right. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like uh, somebody cleans my snake crap out in my room and I pay them to do that. And they're like, well, I, you know, can I do the, the other things you do? And I'm like, nope, nope. I like nope. those things. <laughs> These are my thing. I, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to do this thing. Right. You yeah. can do the snake crap and I'll yeah. pay you the money to do it. That's... I got a guy sitting right next to me uh, editing video right now because that just feels like work to me. <laughs> no, but but for him, I mean, good for him. He's following his dream and passion because that's what he's into. Right. So, I mean, they, they make a great hobby, guys. Don't breed yeah. something that you don't like, you know. And, and like, so for me, I have different – and, you know, like you, Eric, too, I was, you know, jagging you for saying – Hey, you know, you actually like IJs, but you pretend mm-hmm. like all the species or whatever. Like I, I breed lots of crosses. So for me, the thing is where I really enjoy it are the the super ultimate pure level. Right. Or so crossed, who cares as long as it looks good and is small. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like a lot of my projects are like, this one's 25% Kalatoa, 25% Kiowati, 18.75% Jampea, you know, Mochino Het Snow. Or whatever. Damn. <laughs> and and I, I have those numbers not because I intentionally tried to create a math problem or whatever. All that represents is me record keeping over the generations as I was like, let's make it smaller. Now let's make yeah. it more colorful. Now let's add this other morph in there. Right. You know, and I just tracked what was happening over the years through a selectively breeding project. You know, it's like uh, I'm on your guys' Morelia Python radio thing and and there's some uh darwin brettles albinos on there they look oh god those yeah <laughs> crazy right? right and you guys are, we're all fashion crosses or whatever but you see something like that you're like oh my gosh that is so cool but you realize yeah that is a very very different project than a high contrast line ij right it's it's not even the same thing no so for me, like I'm less passionate about making superdorf albinos, but uh, the reason why I do that is for many, many, many years, I sold many, many, many thousands and tens of thousands of mainland reticulated pythons. Mm. And I don't know where they all are today. Well, I have a pretty good idea. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, that doesn't sit right with me because I like the animals. Right. Right. So why aren't these animals that should live 30 and 40 years around from when I was selling those 12 years ago? Where did they go? Mm. You know, Uh. while a lot of the super dwarf stuff that I was working with back then, I still talk to those people. They still keep and breed them. You know what I mean? And the animals have a better life. Instead of saying, hey, here's a a 200-pound python that's 16 feet long in a six-foot cage. I have a six-foot python, a six-foot cage. It's a right. one-to-one ratio. Right. I'd, have to, I'd have to keep a shipping container for the other one to have the same amount of space. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of arguments. People keep things different ways, and there's commercial production, and I'm not knocking any of that, you know, and anybody else is keeping if they want to put a bigger snake in a small cage and say it's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's more personally rewarding to me to be able to observe all the natural behaviors that they have in a larger enclosure when they have some, you give them some options. Yeah. Like um, I, I'm, uh, I learned about somebody through your guys' podcast, and I'm her biggest fan now. That's Lori Torini. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did you guys see the Superdorf I sent her? Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, she so. and I were talking about that the last time I sent her some uh, breadlock. Yeah, yeah, your your show. So now she has a super dwarf, and I was like, "Hey, mine are smarter. Check these out." <laughs> <laughs> 
So I I sent her I sent her a snake that I was gonna keep back for myself as the time type of animal that people line up out the door because she's a super nerd about training snakes and I was like dude I I'm super nerdy about how smart my snakes are you gotta try one of these and she's got a YouTube channel and I love that it's like five sixths about my <laughs> super dwarf and then every now and then she'll throw like a, some other snake in there or whatever <laughs> so something else no one cares about next what thing did yeah. the super dwarf do today <laughs> these things are so crazy you know what i mean it's like getting a dog after only having hamsters your whole life you know <laughs> so, but uh yeah sorry guys That's but right. i i may be biased i i may be biased maybe maybe Just a little, but, little bit yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I don't know. It's just like super nerd out on the stuff. That's why, I, like, even the Kalatoas. Like, I love tracking which bloodlines there are. Like, these came from. Here's the picture of the original one out of the bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? See all the ones it was bred to, and you can track even the bloodlines within a locality. So, so if you want crazy pure, I can sell you pure Travis Kubis bloodline or pure Reach Dreams bloodline, and those fit within Kalatoa. Now, you can have a pure Kalatoa, and I think that that is very respectable, too. You know, when I buy a Kalatoa, the, my first question is, which bloodline? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's nice to have that super specific data. Sure. You know, but then when, when you broaden it again and you go to subspecies status, at least with the animals I'm working with, although I, I, I think this is true of most reptiles, subspecies is a really broad brush, and it changes all the time. I mean, currently, like I said, I have five specific localities, each with their own bloodlines, mm. with all within the subspecies of Jampayanus. Producing a pure Jampayanus is the easiest thing in the world for me. I try not to do it because it's like, oops, mutt. You know what I mean? You can just collect random unknown locality animals that are small retics and breed them all together and call them pure Jampayanus. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's the level I try to avoid. But then when you widen it again, now you're making carpondros or albino bread lie. You know what I mean? The, <laughs> right. the stuff that's just crazy freak color. You know what I mean? And, right. and like if you look at the ball python world, for example, that's all they do. There are no locality ball pythons. I love saying that. And people are like, what about the sub-Saharan? I'm like, which ball pythons come from north of the Saharan desert? <laughs> Where'd you get that one? <laughs> Show me a Mediterranean ball python. Right. Egyptian locality. I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. Not real, no. I think they're all sub-Saharan. Yeah. So calling that a locality is not a thing. That's like... Saying Earthian retic, you know what I mean? Like, you're correct. You, you good Indo- job. Indonesian retic, yeah. Yeah, it's an Indo retic. Yeah, no. Say, I see. What I'm saying is that is actually specific retics come from multiple countries. They have a huge range. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like saying South American boa. That's actually kind of specific for a boa because <laughs> Central American ones too. You know? Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, but um, below Mexico boa, it's like uh, uh, congratulations, good job. Yeah, you know when it comes <sighs> to, I'm with you, Garrett. I, I, you know, again, this is another super nerd level for me. Like I have, um, I, I have this. Uh, I use Evernote, and I have just collected. I mean, I can't Dude. tell you. I used to like print out the websites of people i have them in binders in my house of just information and pictures and and like and you know i'm like why am i keeping all this because one you know if i need to know if this animal 
you know, 20 years ago where it came from or who bred it or who, you know, it's just stockpiling information and information and data and information and information. And I was, I felt, I felt vindicated for doing that because Nick Mutton, who I look up to, is that he comes to me to complete his pedigree for his IJs. I was like, whoa, okay, I guess. Uh. <laughs> I know, I know how you feel. So Nick Mutton and Dr. Warren Booth, yeah. I, you guys know both of those guys? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, um, yeah, we know Warren. <laughs> so it's, yeah, so we've those heard guys, of him. Those yeah. guys were coming to me saying, hey, you know, we want, like, good genetic locality data, but we can't go traipsing all over Indonesia right now. Sure. Yeah. Uh, pr- send us sheds from your locality stuff. Nice. Uh, that's what we're going to use to reclassify this stuff. So I'm like, <sighs> I'm doing something right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yes. <laughs> so you feel good that day. You're like, ah, today's a good day. Yeah. Hey, they they ask me, not yeah. you. <laughs> right. I, they don't trust your animals. <laughs> that's, and that's and that's where it comes down to it. Is like, if 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 locality is something that's hideously important to you, why are you buying from anybody else other than the guy that people are trying to get DNA from, for scientific journals and studies? It's like this makes no sense to me. So. I, but the the thing I think people forget to realize, though, you know, we like to pretend like it's a black and white world, and it just True. is not. True. The older I get, there's more gray, you know. Sure, and yeah. so one of the things that I try to do is, like, I, I, I think there might be people listening to this that have that locality unknown animal or whatever, thinking, like, oh, gosh, my stuff's worthless or whatever. No, it's not. And it's... I, I try to tell people all the time, like, People say silly things like, oh, reach out reptiles. They have the smallest superdwarves ever anywhere. And it's like, well, unless you're talking about the Carampa, like on average, the subspecies or the locality is the smallest. Yeah. I, I have some like 13 foot, you know what I mean? 30 pounds. I, I don't, not everything I have is small. And I have a lot of pure locality stuff, but not everything I have is pure. Mm-hmm. But I will say that everything I have has a very intentional place within my breeding plans and my collection. And so even if you don't have that specific animal and and you bought into something and you're confused about what to do, I think the big thing is if you can find a super nerd about the stuff that's willing to kind of help you, and here's the key, listeners, please, for the love of God, if you ask somebody a question Hmm. and they take the time to answer you, listen don't argue. <laughs> yeah, don't argue. Don't do the other thing you thought you would do anyway. Because you're going to them for the right answer, and they're taking time, you know what I mean, to, to do that for you. And then mm-hmm. you're you're just walking away from it. That's very annoying. You know, like, I've got snakes. i got a family. I don't have to answer your questions. Right. So if I, if I do, you know, just maybe listen. But the But the big thing is... You know, if you go to someone, you go, okay, well, I have this animal. I would like to breed. What do you recommend? Because depending on the the history of the animal, for example, if this was an imported animal that was brought in as a youngster, you know, Cameron uh, brought it in up at Bushmaster. You got it as a Kalatoa, but it kind of looks like a Kiowati, right? So it doesn't meet that one pillar. Like, okay, good importer. Got the data going back to that. He says it's a this. But there's just something fishy about the animal. You know, and, and I have pure stuff from Cameron, too, so I'm not picking on him by any means. I'm just saying, like, mm, that one looks off. Maybe the Indonesian dude mixed that up, you right. know, because these were all tossed in a bag across a ferry, right? right? So whatever the case may be, 
you end up with that animal. And and the the super nerd breeder of whatever species it is that you happen to be working with says, you know, maybe don't use that one for pure locality projects because there's an inkling or a suspicion that it could yeah. be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the reality is if you're asking this question in the first place, it means you're a beginner and you're suspicious. Yeah. So, holy shit, if you don't know what you're talking about and you're suspicious, uh, that's probably yes. saying something. And then if if you know somebody that does know what they're talking about tells you they're kind of suspicious too, you know those are some pretty severe red flags there, guy. So listen to it, and you know, but maybe that is a, a great pure something super dwarf. Call it a super dwarf. You know, buy the smallest uh, bloodline of whatever morph you like the best. You're the albi- the albino bread lie, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. type of yeah. animal. Yep. And and make it even more albino-y and more bread lie and you know what I mean? Breed it to a darker bread lie and make those reds really pop. Yeah. You know, and, and and have fun with it and be known for that. And then post something you're ridiculously proud of when someone says, Hey, what locality is that? You can say, you know, they came in from Cameron, labeled as this. I just wasn't comfortable that that information was accurate. Yeah. So I decided to go ahead and use all the positive qualities that this animal had for a project like this designer project that I put it to. And I mean, boy, if you did that, in my opinion, in my eyes, you just elevated yourself to super nerd status. Like mm. that's a very cool, honorable, mature outlook to have rather than the guy that's like, oh gosh, I just spent so much money on it, so I have to lie now, or I lost my shirt because I made a bad purchase. Yeah. Now you just look like, you know, like you got burned, and you're going to pass the burn on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it's a locality project of an animal that can no longer be imported, you're, yeah. that, that's a long burn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sure. you're, you're really screwing stuff up. Because after a couple generations back to pure locality, nobody will know. Yeah. But it'll never be a pure locality animal again. Yeah. It so every animal you get, there are so many different projects you can have. And I mean I have coastals that have question marks in their lineage, and I have ones that were brought in back when nobody gave a damn and they were just crossing stuff to this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then I have pure Brisbane's and the two shall never meet. You know, those I'm not going to start crossing the projects. If my male Brisbane isn't having it this year, guess what? I'm not making Brisbane's. Right. So, and that's the thing there's room in collections for both projects. I know Eric has a ton of locality stuff and a ton of uh IJ projects, and then he also has the crazy mutations yeah, projects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Eric, have you ever thought, like, for example, Taking so let's say you're breeding the most like kind of orangey honey colored IJs that you possibly can, mm-hmm. right? And that's a, like a severely rewarding project. You know, I mean, at some point there may be value whether it's you or maybe one of your customers just wants the the one with the most color possible because they want to breed it to their caramel. Would I, mm. would I, would I, would I sell that? Was well, that what you were saying or what? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, if I, if my thing is like, I want to make designer caramels, your IJs are like freaking caramely as, as ever. I just want to up the quality of my bloodline by crossing it out to yours once for genetic diversity and to add a dose of color. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's yeah. where the, I actually think that's where the Australian, um, carpet python hobby has taken that idea 
and that's blown us away. A blown us away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For a while, we were we. I think the U.S. and Europe were probably ahead, but now they're definitely like way ahead of the pack because Indonesians are doing that with the the dwarf and super dwarf stuff too. They're they're making my stuff look bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh my gosh, because they have access to all these cool genetics that they're blending into stuff and yes. the designer stuff that they're making is like holy crap i would never do that breeding oh that's awesome can i buy one <laughs> <laughs> right. you know what i mean right <laughs> yeah. you know i i i i know that uh, paul has done this i know nick has done this and i would probably do the same thing is uh you know because we're we're working with such a limited gene pool i would say take a you know when i look at a locality coastal carpet i look at that as a different bloodline as well so if i was trying to make if i was trying to outcross say lemke lined uh coastal carpets or m pens or whatever you want to call them you know i may you know put a dose of that in there and breed them just to outcross them to give them that genetic diversity um but I would never call them that locality now because it's that's not what the project is for. The project is to make nice coastals and give it some genetic diversity. Um, right. But still preserving that locality. So I guess it's similar uh, somewhat to what you're kind of doing. Is like, um, but, you know, there's certain ones that I won't cross. Like I have Archer River Cape York carpets. I mean, probably besides the gammon range carpets are probably one of the rarest localities out there but i would not cross them at all because they don't look like anything else at all but technically they're a coastal carpet Mm. so yeah 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 uh you know one thing that i have because so like some of the stuff you know the localities are are fairly common easy to come by other ones are like outrageously rare right you know um, the ones that are like stupid, outrageously rare, I have no interest in crossing. Correct. Um, but some of the ones that are like, okay, you know, they're common enough. Like the, they're established. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to disappear from the hobby. Uh, you know, it's kind of fun to to do some designer stuff with those. But at least in the early days, one of the things, like the practices that I would do, let's say like Kalatoas, for example, you know, I get a handful of, cl- of clutches of those every year. And so do other breeders around the United States. Um, and so they're here and they're here to stay. But I still, it's like, it's, it's like feels gross to take a pure Kalatoa yeah. female and right. put like a morph in with her. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah, get your grubby spurs off her. I could oh, be getting more Kalatoas out of that, you know. Right. Yep. Now, on the other hand, I may have a gorgeous Kalatoa male and some, like, morph cross, whatever, beautiful mutt female. Like, she ain't kicking out any pures. I don't mind throwing a male to her. Yeah. Right. You know, now I can add some more of that locality dose. Now, like, from a selective breeding standpoint, smaller females is always the better way to go. Right. But I've set myself up. That's that For me, that's where the value in those unknown localities are because you're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's probably a Kalatoa. But um, I, I don't have the, the data to back that up. Mm-hmm. So uh, since I'm never going to add her to my Kalatoa projects and I'm not trying to, like, squeeze every ounce of Kalatoa out because that's what the market wants right now, not enough to sell my soul for the extra 10 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to use that female to uh, crank some stuff down in size, you know what I mean? And, and really and, – and so – 
this is probably the departure from the Moralia stuff because I don't think you guys have any size selected projects, do you? Uh, no. I mean, it'd be kind of cool. Like, if it was me, I'd make the biggest possible, you know, like, I just want like the big freaking honking carpet that's like, well, that's um, what... some of us, some of us went down that road and it's very <laughs> unhealthy for carpets to get to over a certain size. That's not what I meant, Owen. Yeah, I all right, well, <laughs> that, that's like the big misconception with Superdoors. That guy just doesn't feed his stuff. You're like, no, 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 well, no that's no. abuse. That's abuse. If you can't make it small genetically, you didn't make it small. If you can't make it big genetically, you didn't make it big. You're just yeah. you're just a gross human abusing I, animals. I had, a, <laughs> I had a huge carpet. Um, and I just bought her at a show randomly and she was massive and, uh, she ended up laying like 50 something eggs for me one time. And I'm like, dear God. And it was like, I bred her to a normal male. So I just had 50 normal babies cause she had no lineage on her at all. So they were just, Oh God, it was terrible. But yeah, uh, yeah you can, they can get huge. So, um, I would. I'm kind of surprised that people who do diamond pythons aren't like breeding for size because the pictures out of Australia is we see a lot of really big diamonds like from the wild. So I don't know. What are What are the biggest bloodlines you guys work with? Out of curiosity, uh, Brisbane's Brisbane coastals. Bro, just, I was gonna. I was gonna think it had to be some of the the coastal stuff because even the, big, even the right? like what what is a Queensland coastal now? What is that now? Oh God! Um, Who knows? Yeah, because okay. Well, because we, I was gonna say some of the stuff that I had back as a, like a kid or had seen, those got pretty big. Yeah, well, they're a natural integrate is Queensland between jungle and coastal. So when they said Queensland carpet, it meant they had no idea what it was, and they just oh, threw it in a okay. box. So, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, should have um, kept the big ones. Would have made it yeah. a nice size project. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, uh, what is it? I have the. Uh, the problem is, is like I got the bread live, which are my biggest, um, probably Morelia. Um, but then I have coastals that are pretty close in length to the bread live, but not as thick. But then I got like, you know, olive pythons, timors, and other big guys too. So yeah. How big are the Brisbane's? Uh mine are tiny. Eric's uh they're uh, I wanna say as far up. as coastals go, they're probably yeah. You know, you're looking at maybe, you know how like, you know, coastals get uh, marked with that 10 foot range. Yeah. They probably could get in that range. They're, they're the only ones that actually get that big. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah they're, they're the, the, they're the yeah. southern one. Southern, southern coastals, they get big. They, yeah. yeah. They get big. So. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's like super doors. Everyone's like, well, you know, I just want something that's like maybe six feet. And you're like, <laughs> that six feet's really small. Like, I mean, you realize, like, so Matt Minotola's got some six foot monsters over at his place. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't have any six foot monsters here. Six foot here is like a corn snake, dude. And everyone's like, <laughs> corn snakes are, that's a really big corn snake. You're like, these are long and skinny. You know how big like a six foot scrub python is? It's like right. the size of a. I don't know. They're, that's that's small for retics. It, yeah. You know, for a retic to be ball python size by weight, it's like an eight and a half foot snake. Yeah. Right. You know, that's where you're in like that maybe average 3,500 gram range. Right. You know, yeah. it's like eight and a half foot for a retic. 
So people get a little bit crazy. I want to step up from ball pythons, something that's like six, no more than seven feet. And I'm like, my seven foot retics are like 1,700 grams. And by the way, there's like two clutches of those a year, and it costs like five Gs. Are you sure you want to start there? Is that your step up you want to get to? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a step up, all right. What kind of ball pythons do you say you were breeding in? Right. The good. <laughs> I have a question yeah. for you, Garrett. How do you guys approach the um, when you're crossing stuff? How does the retic community approach the normals that are now? Oh, you're gonna ask that question? Yeah. Like what's well, that? What do you how, how do you mean? So like, let's say I breed, I breed two, uh, I breed a dwarf head albino and a super dwarf head albino, and I get a couple of albinos, and then there's just some normals in the clutch, that kind of thing. Yeah. What do you do with yeah. the normals? What do you do? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think every breeder is gonna answer this differently or whatever, but depending on what you're going for, sometimes the the females can be valuable mm -hmm. if they're from a small bloodline okay. and you just want like an inexpensive female that, you know, you're going to do put all the morphs on the dad's side and mom just needs to be small, you know, like they have some value and those are, that, that's a cheap animal. I mean, they're, they're going to start like 400 bucks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, they're really cheap ones, 250, $300. When people are like, well, I just want to retick, doesn't get very big. You can get those. You know, if you need super small, like, you know, ball, you know, less than ball python small, they might be $600. But I sell them as pets. Yeah. And then for, you know, like, because, you know, I'm thinking like four, five, six hundred $600. That's not really like huge breeding investment for most people. Right. You know, and, and that's different by every species. I mean, if that was a betta fish, it'd be like, oh, dang, that's like the world's best betta fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Those things are $3.25 at Petco, you know. Right. But... But in retics, like that's not that's. I mean, you're you're buying a retic. Do you know how much it costs to maintain one of those? Like, if you're having a hard time spending three or four hundred dollars, you should not buy a retic. Right. Um, yeah. You know, the cage is a thousand bucks. But uh, yeah, so I sell them as pets, and then inevitably someone comes back in a year and they say, "Hey, I have this mail from you. I love him." Great personality. He stayed so small. All the rumors are true. It's incredible. Now I want to breed him. And I'm like, <laughs> what did I tell you? <laughs> Dang, stupid. Ah. You know, it's like, then you got to tell him, like, okay, you know, the a normal crossed male has no breeding value or potential whatsoever. Yeah. You might be able to make like, you know, if you want to make some like kind of cool, you know, 500 to thousand dollar babies, you could buy like a $10,000 female and breed to mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and make your 500 to thousand dollar babies. If you want, that seems kind of stupid to me, but yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. Of that math don't work out right. It does not go well. I, yeah. I, I scream it from the rooftops, but I'm telling you boys, guys, the, the people don't listen to English. They listen to dollars. That's it. Yeah. I say buy a female first. Know thyself just a little bit. If you're going <laughs> to say you want to breed this later, uh -huh. buy a female first. Get a girl. But the, yep. but the females get bigger, and they cost three times as much. And it's like. Yes. But, right. but you're going to keep this for a year or two and then decide you like it, and then you're going to have to go buy a female for $10,000 and wait five more years to grow up mm. a breeder. You know what I mean? Like. That seems really stupid, you know, like just buy the female and have a cool pet, you know? Yeah. S start there, breed later. Right. 
you can as long as you have like good size genetics like i said we breed in three dimensions so you don't necessarily need a particular locality or morph or bloodline if your goal is to make like cool small snakes right you know and that would be the only place like the you know earlier we we're talking about the pure subspecies thing oh it's all pure subspecies this is what people say who didn't have bloodline data on their animals right. <laughs> and then they say pure subspecies and they're at least being honest but as soon as people see through those i'm afraid they're going to start calling calatoas again you know and it's like oh, gosh you guys like gross just gross yeah you know, you know yeah. what i mean now, on the other hand, if you want to, like, stock your pet store with super dwarfs because they make, like, a cool intermediate species for somebody to keep. Because, I mean, a, a good bloodline, like, small super dwarf is very comparable snake to keep to a carpet python. Yeah, and, I would and say, I, yeah. I would say that a carpet python might not be for everybody, but it would be for anybody that's willing to apply themselves a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. right? Well, a, right. A little, you got to try right. a little bit. Right. It's like, yes. You know, I mean, some people can't keep a pet rock alive, but <laughs> but if you're willing to, like, read a book, listen to what it says, make sure that you use a thermometer, you know. It, you you know, can, probably be okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pl- please buy some. Don't use your old bath towel for bedding. You know, uh, <laughs> it doesn't work well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you're willing to like buy some stuff, set it up and, and keep it, you'll be fine with a yeah. carpet and a good bloodline superdorf, which again, they can start at like 600 bucks. Somebody could have like a retick, you know what yeah. I mean? If, if that's your thing and you just want to retick and you want it to stay small and be cool and you're willing to apply yourself a tiny bit, you can get a nice superdorf. The problem is, if you're like, well, look, I can save 150 bucks and go with that guy's suit. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, you're you're faced with this thing. You're like, you can pretend to, to, to do like the uh, the guys that sold the baby alligators at the carnival in the 60s. It'll never outgrow a 10-gallon aquarium. You know, just feed it once a month, a pinky mouse. Oh. It'll, never, it'll never grow. You, you can do that and just kill your snake prematurely and just be a jerk. Yeah. Or or you can now try to rehome a snake that was supposed to get six feet total and it got six feet at the end of the first six months. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, again, like with this in, in my world, in this niche, it's all, all about bloodlines because, you know, labels don't matter. People like <laughs> the question that drives me crazy. I don't know if you guys have noticed in, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never posted a classified ad. I have noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. I I never have. Yeah. Because if I say, okay, here's a Superdorf albino and here's the price and you buy it and we didn't have a conversation, you're likely not going to get what you expect because, and that's just based on what people tell me they expect of things. And I'm like, whoa, what you think? What? No, (laughs) right. No, that's not this. You know, and and I'm not saying that they they're all gigantic or whatever. But remember, is this you're getting a reticulated python? You know what I mean? It's sure. easier to get a big one than a small one. Yeah. Much, much, much easier. So make sure that you're you know talking to the breeder and figuring out which bloodline stays small because I have things that are accurately you know. So the rule is like it has to be 50% of one of the Superdorf localities, which would be. Karampa, which has never been crossed to anything. Madus, which like only like two people have Madu morph crosses. Kalatoa, or sometimes Kiowati. They're kind of like the in-betweeners, the super dwarf dwarf. Right. Uh, 
in size. So if it's 50% of one of those or a combination of those and it's albino, you know, you can call it a superdwarf albino. But within that, that's pretty broad. I can, I, I, I have bloodlines that would be considered a superdwarf albino. Some of them are going to be like 13 feet and like 40 pounds. Yeah. And then some of them are going to be like eight or nine feet and 3,000 grams. Right. You know? So don't don't ask me for a list and go buy some Superdorf albino. Don't don't ask me for price lists. You come to me, you tell me what you want, mm-hmm. and I'll shoot you straight, and I'll get you one, or I'll say I don't have it, or a lot of times I just say it doesn't exist because they want that brand new recessive morph that came out in mainland, <laughs> but but tiny, right? In a and it and it takes a good like to get them like reliably small. You know, it's gonna take two to three generations with an incomplete dominant, and you can double that for recessives. So, like, we're starting to see the first small superdorf albinos. Remember I told you superdorf albinos were bred almost as early on as mainland albino retics? Right. It was, like, a year after. Yeah. So we've been cranking them down ever since then. And, um, you know, there's a handful that are, like, basically pure superdorf size now, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. It only took 20 years. So that's all. <laughs> only that's oh, yeah. it. It's like the uh, the Ivory Jungle that Nick works with. I mean, right. That's a 20 year project. 20 year project of just basically slowly chiseling it into what? Because yeah, yeah, because it's not it's not a morph. It's not a azanthic, is it? It's no. a selectively bred trait. Right. Right. And you cannot buy a bunch of garbage and throw it together and call it selectively bred. Yeah, I think. Uh, I really got a, an idea of that when uh, I was talking to Keith McPeak about his, you know, the, the stuff he did with short tails. And that's kind of the same. That's what he did. He would just basically, you know, breed for a specific trait. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he started producing Forever. Right. Yep. <laughs> yes. But nobody could, could replicate what he did. You know, because that's what's cool. Now that is the really cool thing. And that's what separates the wheat from the chaff, if you will. Right. Matt mm-hmm. Minnetolda does the same stuff. Sure. And it, and it's like, you know, red blood pythons, they've got crazy morphs. Some of those things look ungodly. I remember when I saw the first magpie over at VPI with, with, on Tracy Barker's table. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, yeah. that is the coolest snake I have ever seen. You know, and they have all these amazing things and stuff like that. But when you take short tail pythons and, you know, Borneo short tails and you selectively breed them like Keith or Matt are doing, and then you start getting stuff like the last time I was at Matt's place, (laughs) he had, he had these things hatching and they had like a label on them that said Bronger's my. And so I was like, these are kind of funky magpies, but but I dig it. Like, I like them. Those are cool mm-hmm. magpies. They don't look like other magpies. And I was like, these are Bronger's pie? And he's like, Hartle, come on, man. Those are short tails. And I was like, what? These are videos? <laughs> and it's like, you guys know the ones I'm talking about, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, the yeah. white wall ocelot, yeah. whatever. And these extremes. Just, yeah. Name it, name it, name it, whatever you want. And it's, it just make it stuff up at this point because yeah. you're doing is like, rubbing fancy stuff together and getting crazy polymorphic stuff. Yeah. But 
Yeah, go try to figure those genetics out. I'm not doing it any justice. Anyone listen, don't listen to Garrett's definition. (laughs) (laughs) But go talk to Matt Minotola or whatever, but and he'll tell you how confused he is. But uh, (laughs) he's shocked as hell with what he hatches. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what? (laughs) But but that's why they're so cool because you know, like the magpies were super expensive when I was looking at them. But anyone that bought them could make them. Pay to play, you're in. Yeah. You know. But there is no shortcutting those those things that Matt's producing. I've been talking to him for years. I mean, you guys know this. All I do is from Superdor free ticks. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything else at this point. Right. Um, and I've been trying to get some of his marble stuff. Oh no. Oh the marble. Oh, <laughs> I liked oh, I liked the there. marble marble granite, whatever you want to call it. I actually I actually, you know, farted around with those a little bit when I worked at prehistoric pets. Uh-huh. Okay. They had some uh they had a lot of cool imported um Borneo short tail pythons and they named them differently. We had like chocolates and lattes and where and I think some of that stuff turned into things actually. Right. Don't lattes still? Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Whatever it said. <laughs> I think so. And and I don't know if it's the same thing or not or whatever. But we had some marble stuff and I bred them and they were cool. And then I can't remember who called me. I actually think it was Keith. But it, it might have been so long ago. Didn't he start the marble stuff? I yes. thought that's where Matt got his marble stuff. Okay, so, so it was Keith, and we okay. had a conversation because he was like, "No, those ones that you made." He says everyone thinks they're marbles because of the white and like the Oreo cookie and cream on the sides. He yeah. goes, "I actually named them marbles because the back pattern, the dorsal pattern, is all marbled like like a countertop, mm-hmm. you know." And he said, you got the ones with the cool crossovers and everything. And, and we had bred them, and I was, like, super proud and just geeking out over my one-generation thing because I put a, an interesting-looking wild caught to a, a marble. Right. And then yeah. Keith called me, and I was like, <laughs> cool. Um, I don't know if he remembers that. He could probably verify that story. And, and it, I could be totally full of shit, too. But uh, <laughs> in the conversation happened. I'm just pretending it was Keith because he's my favorite. So right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. Go on. Yeah. Next time you talk to him, you can see if he ever called prehistoric about marbles. You know, I'm going to text you know. him when we're done with this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs> like, well, then text me back and tell me if I'm... I will let you know. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to edit my storytelling if that's true. So. <laughs> but... Uh, but at any rate, yeah. So, I mean, I thought those were cool back then. And I, I always kind of thought about keeping one and didn't, and I regretted it and all this stuff. And then before I really knew Matt personally, I saw him come out with, you know, the one that, that oh, first the extreme, one, like, extreme marble. Thought it was, yes. he thought it was a male, but it was a female or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, that extreme yeah. marble that he had the first one. And I just yep. peed my pants <laughs> right there. And then, yeah. I remember seeing yeah. that out of the like coming out, you know, when he had. And if you, out. if he's listening right now, I'm sure he's laughing because I've been to his house several times with the video camera and even talking in the background as Dave Kaufman was interviewing him, like, look at the marbles, <laughs> <laughs> so freaking cool. Right. But, but that's the greatest thing about selectively breeding because Matt keeps telling me no. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you freaking like. I know you're as much of a dirty slut as I am. Everything has its Give price. It what me. is the price? Right. What is the price, Matt? I want that snake. Right. And he's like, oh, there's no price. And and he's like, and he he's always, Matt is, I, I try to help him with like marketing and stuff. He's like, uh, no, these aren't worth very much. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, um, I, I mean, for, in perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not a ball python morph, right? Right. And I'm, I want it and I want to pay for it. 
give me that snake. And he's like, no, no, because the market value on these is, you know, whatever people would complain if I sold them for, and I don't remember what his price was, 1500 bucks or something. Right. right. So that's, that's too much for that. And I would never sell one for that. I said, if you're keeping them all and you're not selling any of them because 1500 is too cheap and you're the only person on the planet with them, the market value is not $1,500. Right. <laughs> it's I more said, than that. <laughs> I said, surely you will sell me the ugly one for three grand. And he's like, no, that'd be ripping you off. And I'm like, I'm begging you to do it. <laughs> I understand your niche market better than you. <laughs> Sell me the damn it. I said, put $15,000 on the nice one, put $10,000 on the eh one, and sell me that one for five grand. Right. And it will validate all your other prices, and that will be your market. Right. You know what I mean? It's supply and demand. And I right. demand a marble, Matt. <laughs> I demand, and don't give me one of those marbles. Give me one of the ones I want. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> He does want to go to Australia with us next year. So yeah, dude, he's he got to he's got to pay for Australia <laughs> tickets, man. Well, if he's gonna have this conversation, tell him to have it with me at the end of the breeding season, not now. Because if not he comes to and says you can have it for five grand, I'm gonna pee my pants again. Right. And it'll be the same emotion this time. Right. Oh man. But that's the market. So like Carampas, you know, this is a fun topic. This is another one for another time. The, the made up prices that we snake breeders have. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, I think Python meat is pretty expensive. It's like 20 bucks a pound or 30 bucks a pound at the exotic meat market or whatever. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, but, all right, then. <laughs> I know the flesh that I'm peddling over here is worth a lot more than that in most cases. Yeah. So, it, you know, pricing is kind of fun when you're innovating stuff, you know, and, um, you know, I see it as, uh, like I said, people only speak dollar signs. Of course. So if I want to tell people that something is important and I want to make it, make sure that the world understands that it's important, I just put a high price tag on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. People are like, no, they're not important. You should sell them for less. And I go, nope, super geek over here, keeping them all. Yeah. They aren't that important. <laughs> I don't, I just, don't. Yeah. I'll just wait until people uh, believe it, or I will have a giant barn of these, and no one else gets gets any. Right. You and know? then it'll be important. Bye. Yeah. It's like no. Eventually, you all get on my level. So again. Yeah. But it's funny, like the Karampas, people hear like, okay, those are the smallest retics. So that's the one that everybody wants now. And you're like, you know, there's five. There's five. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys realize this, but so this just happened early this year, right? 2020. They were bred for the mm -hmm. first time over here. Right. It was. Literally the coolest thing I've ever done for the reptile industry as far as I'm concerned. That's I can die now. I don't even okay. know what to do with myself. Like right. <laughs> that is a culmination. So to put this in perspective, All I right. have been wanting to breed that locality for 14 years. Ugh. And this is 14 years of me like trying, accumulating animals. They don't establish. They die. Someone won't sell it. Then their house burns down. Uh, at one point I bought a pair of them for lots of money. And then the guy returned it and said, ah, I can't, sold them to someone else instead. You know what I mean? Oh. Actually, that's the female that, that uh, gave me the first clutch. I badgered the guy that bought the animals that I bought. <laughs> and his, the male ended up dying, and the, he sent the female to me, and that's how that ended up happening. So I, I didn't have to pay for him after all. But it okay. 14 years, wow. and I finally made and then 300 people are like, can I have one? I heard there's no. <laughs> and no. Like, yes, you can. 
I have a 14 year waiting list. No, but, but in all actuality, what I did was I, I priced them at $10,000. That's not for, bad though. If, if you consider the rarity, I think it's great. I, yeah, I mean, I think they're, not I'm saying they were, they were 10,000 a pair is what I, I oh, priced them at. Oh, God. Like, I know that's what people, other people said they should be 10 grand a piece or whatever. I'm not trying to like go crazy with them, right. but at $10,000 each, I mean, as far as I'm aware, the most expensive locality retics are like 2,500, three grand for, you know, historically ever like locality, okay, sure. most but, expensive for like three grand, something like that for a pair. So we went, no, nah, we'll do much more than that. 10 grand. And now they are the most expensive locality. So that's why they're going to pop up everywhere. Yeah. yeah. But but you think every every time there's a new morph, I think ten grand is the launching point that everybody starts at. Brand well, new morph, ten thousand dollars. Locality. Yeah, I know, but that's the thing. It's like so if the localities I don't think that's a ridiculous price at all. But right. but there's very few people I think that understand that. But by right. putting that price tag on it, I think it makes it more Acceptable, and I right. and I think that's why Matt was having the issue with his with his Borneos because you're like, it's not really a morph, you know? It's like I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of a morph. It's more of like a look, right. like right. a selectively bred trait, right. you know? Um, but like, so Eric, for example, uh, do you have any IJs you've been perfecting for 14 years? Oh, here we go. 14 years? No. Not that long, but let well, me talk to you about what's Poison the Ivy. My it's like, yeah. project, yes. I like those. How long has that been? Uh, I've been working with them since, what, 2011, 12? It's about close to 10 years at this point, right? It's just about a decade. So not far behind the Karambas yeah. for me. Only you've been producing them all along. So my point is, I let's say, <laughs> yes, he didn't sell a single one. Yeah. So if you made one that was like the the perfect example of what you're going for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you think someone would buy it for ten grand? I think people will offer. You do? There would be there would be people out there I in think... the carpet world that yeah, because it would be a melanistic carpet, which is kind of like the. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, uh, that's a little shooting for the moon at this point. I mean, you, you are at a 10-year project, not 14, Eric. True, yeah. I mean, let's, go, let's take that into account, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with pricing all the time, uh, you know, but, because you like. But that's my point is, like, it's not, it has no value. You have every single one. That's a worthless project. Yeah, sell it all. Yeah. My, my point is, like, when you go to label it, right? you put a label on it. What is it? You, know, you either come up with a fancy name that's a glittery enough name to trick someone out of taking money, or you effectively communicate the value of that animal, and it becomes that value. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I follow what you're saying as far as— uh... You have to sell one for people to know that it's important. I would have preferred to keep all the Karampas. In fact, I may have just kept all the Karampas if it wasn't a breeding project, mm-hmm. you know, right. but I, the other guy to consider and he wanted to, you know, get a little bit of a, you know, money back on it, which is not, it's not a bad thing. Obviously no. guy paid money in, you know, to, to yeah. get money out. So, you know, I wanted to do good by him, but at the same time, those were released only to establish the value of that locality. 
I right. think when I had a finished product, I, I'm not at the, the point where I think that project <laughs> is to where I would take it and say, look, you know, because if you look at the, the founder, if I had a replication of her, 100%, I would 100% put that kind of money on that. Yeah. She was like totally melanistic, the Almost, the, the yeah. original. She had a yeah. white, white. Send me belly. a picture or put that on the Morelia Python Radio uh, Facebook page so I can see it. Okay. She's up there, isn't she? She should be. I not <laughs> not today. Not really. oh 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 God. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with yeah. you? I'm so, I ate hey, not my snake, buddy. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> but no, she was dark as hell. And then the baby she's been working on, you can see the black like. It's kind of like in. the ING thing. Yeah. As yeah. they get older, there's actually a locality of retics that does that. That's As a locality, cool. it's they're called Halmheras. You know the Halmhera scrubs, like yeah. everything from yeah. Halmhera is amazing. Yeah. There's a there's a locality, and they were my favorite actually. Like I saw one uh, 15 years ago, uh-huh. and I and I looked at it and I said that is the best retic. That is my favorite retic, and then I never saw one again. No. Uh, and last year there was a guy that in the U.S. named Rodney Bolich that actually produced. He had two pairs. He was an importer, and so yeah. he has a lot of uh, imported stuff. Yeah. He's up kind of your guys' way, halfway between you and me. Yeah. The, yeah. I think I. Yeah. I think I know him. Yeah. 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 Pretty salty guy, you know, but has yeah. some cool retics. So uh, yeah, he he bred them, and I was at his house, and I didn't even know he he bred them, and I looked at him, I was like, that's a Homera. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think those are the only time they've ever been bred in captivity. And I was like, I think you're right. So what are you selling those for? And he's like, oh, you like those, huh? And I was like, <laughs> just, 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 just give me the damn animals. Please don't play this game. It's like, no. yeah. I ended up buying, I think he had a clutch of nine. It was either nine or 11 or something. I might be off, but I bought five of them. <laughs> it's like. Okay. I have a lot of those. That's awesome. You talk about the male locality thing. When I said I had more localities than the, just the dwarf and superdwarf, yeah. most of them are. And Eric, you have two of these. I have the Banta Ang region Sulawesi's, mm-hmm. which yeah. is like micro. So Sulawesi is a locality, but the island of Sulawesi is huge, and it most likely has a couple subspecies on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of like PNG, right? Like it's all over the place. So. Um, the Bantaang are the, you know, they're just the most opposite looking of a super dwarf one. <laughs> so I, I was like, I want to breed some like those contrasting colors and stuff into my super dwarfs. So I wanted a really stellar male. The problem was I was selling that clutch for a buddy of mine that bred him. His name was uh, Jonathan Hoflick. And he'd had a, a, a pair of them and bred them successfully. It was like first time ever. Um, which is cool, but they were very just an obscure locality. Like you know, nobody knows what they are, mm-hmm. and so everyone just thought they were Sulas, and they wanted to breed them out to all these other Sulas. And I was like, well, no, I mean these are like Sulawesi is kind of like saying American locality rat snake. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like it's a lot. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's not really fair to blend all that together. So I was like, you should probably get like a pair if you're gonna buy one of these. And I, I was offering. For, for the sake of the animals, I was offering, like, stupid pair prices. Like, you know, I, th- I think they were, like, it was, like, 2000 for a female or 2250 for a pair. Oh, my and God. Like, I just want a female. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, 
And I was like, I kept telling myself, Garrett, this is not your locality. These are not dwarves. Don't worry about it. Everyone can be stupid if they want. And I was like, I just can't do it in the end. So I told Eric, uh, Eric's like, oh, I want to have all the different snakes. And I went to your house and you had a retic, but it was like a generic. Yeah. Normal yeah. retic. Strike, normal, albino. Yeah. Cross of, cross of And I was like, dude, if you're going to have one retic. Right. It should be like a pretty epic retic, right. you know. And I think yep. Sulawesi in most people's eyes are like the most epic, but these are like mini Sulas and with a little bit cooler color and pattern. Oh, and I'm like, nice. I got the, I got the whole clutch. I said I'm gonna keep a trio. I just wanted one male to blend into my Superdorf locality stuff because for designer projects, right? So right. I'll create, I'll create a locality male banting to, you know, some of my locality cross superdorms. I'll have 50% superdorms that look funky like mini Sulas, and I'll use those to breed some cool morphs into it. You know, just play with it, you know, like yeah. not a big not a big deal project, just something I wanted to do. But when I saw everyone else failing to even try to put these things <laughs> together, you know, I, I was just like, oh, gosh, I'm keeping them. So I sent you, my females, to, yeah, I said, like, you raise them. I'll send the mail to you when you're ready. You breed them. You can say you bred retics. If you're right. sick of them, you can send them back. Right. In the meantime, you'll have like killer epic retics. So when you when you have people over, I know all your carpet python buddies are like, cool carpet, cool carpet. Oh, you have a retic too. But this is a retic like that a retic guy would be like, oh, you got one of those? How did you get one of those? That's you happened know? a few times. <laughs> yes. Has actually. it? Yeah. With us? It really yeah. has. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, what's yeah. this? And I, you know, I tell them and they're like, Oh shit! Man. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. And that's, and I was just like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the other retic. Have a normal retic as a pet, like they're cool animals. It's like having a mutt from the pound, like, and he's my buddy, you know. Right. Yeah. Sure. But it just didn't fit in your collection, <laughs> you know. What I mean? It's just like I have what representation from all these crazy pythons from around the world, and some of them are like. Like those Timors that you had were crazy. A lot of the yeah. Antaresia stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. Not to mention the carpets. Yeah, you're kind of off that kick now, huh? He's got the rings, and I want them so badly. I still they have. have I still marks. have a, a, a. I still have a chunk of it, but yeah. Yeah. I don't have. Uh, That's sad, man. I thought I don't it was have. I don't have like. Uh, I'm the. I'm the diverse one now. It's uh, weird. You know, I mean, like, you know. Even if Instead I didn't think your thirty, I didn't think species. your goal was to have all of them all at once. I just thought you wanted to yeah. like yes. them all at once. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's and you've achieved that. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're you're the super nerd that takes all the pictures and has the records anyway. So once you've done it, you can say check did that. Right. Moved on. <laughs> exactly. And that was the intent. Raise these epic retics. You got two females, right? I'll send you a mail. Double your odds. Right. Get a clutch. Check it off the box. Send them back. Right. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to make sure that they stayed pure, you know? Yeah. So do it, man. They got to be up to age. The boy is breeding. Females should be on next year. Put them on the Mac, buddy. Feed them up. I know they're small. Get them going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're a lot bigger now. That's for sure. Are they? No. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't. I, I didn't know. The last time I was there, they were pretty small. They were like, well, you know, again, yeah, you we're told me you said, give them a, talk. give them a, what did you say? Give them a medium rat. And I was like, okay. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, worked, huh? Yeah, it worked. <laughs> like, oh, look. That's the funny thing. People that have, like, I have retics that they're like, well, you know, you can keep a mainland small, you know? 
I have retics that I bought where the breeder was intentionally trying to keep it small because they were not selling for them and they kept them around forever, Right. Mm. which is something nobody thinks about. Like, I want to do a breeding because I want to get this snake. And you're like, but does anyone else want to buy that snake? Yeah. And yeah. remember, you're going to make 40 of them. Right. Yes. You know? So, so anyway, uh, they had this thing. It was a four-year-old mainland male in like a, a little bit bigger than a hatchling tub. Oh, my God. And yeah, and the thing was like probably five feet long or something. It, it took up like two thirds of the tub when it was coiled up, just enough room for a water bowl in there. And, you know, people would say like, okay, that thing's severely stunted. It's never going to be big. I brought him over here and I just feed him mod. I mean, I gave him a little bit of food in the beginning because he was like, I wanted to get him through a good couple healthy sheds and like not be so garbage, you know, just like yeah. some some body weight on him. But then I, I just feed him very modest, modestly. I, I don't keep any of my retics fat. They're meant to be lean. They're more like a mm. scrub bite, right? So, but now he's over there in the other room. He's like 13 feet, which is mainland size for males. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, and it's, and it's only been another three years that I've had them. So, you know, you feed them, they get big. So how big are those girls now? Uh... I have them in uh, four foot cages. I don't know. I'm bad at measuring uh, measuring size. Um, I don't know. Check, check their weights. Check their weights for me. Okay, we'll do. Yeah, Thanks. I think uh, if you if you feed them heavy this year, don't yeah. feed them in the summer. Right. And then and then like like don't feed them at all. Maybe like one jumbo rat in the middle of the summer, and then pound them with as much food as you can. As soon as we start getting some cool temps, right. I'll send that mail. Send that mail over. You'll be the second person in the world to ever breed those. Oh, nice. <laughs> That'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. The only person that ever done it before you is the guy that made that one. So. Oh wow. Okay. Do it. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool. And then you can do whatever you want. Give them to your kids. I don't know. <laughs> Party favors at Carpet Fest. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I joke around about not having any other any other snakes, but I actually have corn snakes now. Oh. Yeah, you guys know I have I have little kids. Like, accidentally won a scaleless corn snake on auction. Right? Oh God, no! And then, <laughs> and then I and then I was like, I was gonna give it away. I was just gonna yeah. literally give it to one of my volunteers. But my kids are like, Oh, we love it! <laughs> and I was like, Well, you know, scaleless, kind of a freak. Like, sure, I'll keep right. that. Well, so I called the breeder. Like yeah. every good buyer does, gets the bloodline information. Yeah. Found out that it's a scaleless Okiti tessera. So Okiti is a locality. Right. Uh-huh. Tessera is a Strike morph. morph and it's right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Right. And a scaleless, which is obviously another morph. Right. So I told the guy, okay, so obviously it's not a uh, pure Okiti. Like, how much Okiti? And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, like, what do you guys do? Like, percentages? Do you say it's like half Okiti, quarter Okiti? You know, like, hmm. when did the Okiti come in? And he's like, no, no. OKT is like a look. Like if it has more than a certain amount of black in the saddles and has a red background, you call it an OKT. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. This is wrong. When I was a kid, yes, I read a book called <laughs> The Keeper and the Kept where the dude would go to the Hunts Club in South Carolina and he would golf there and the best looking corn snakes came from there and he caught those. And later they found out they they like kind of drew a line around on a map, and that's the Okiti region. It's a real place. You can go there and pick up snakes. You know what I mean? Those are Okitis. Yeah. Black and red is not Okiti. That's those are colors. You know. <laughs> and and the guy's like, 
well, I don't know. So I was like, like oh, my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, it's a female, and it's a little bit older. And the guy told me it was worth like a 1000 bucks. I was like, oh, gosh, maybe should keep it, I guess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I didn't pay that for it. <laughs> Everyone's right. like, you got Gillis corn steak? That's pretty cool. I'm like, is it? Is it though? Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I went on a quest. I found a pair of Oki tees. I brought them in and then I, I dug deeper and found out, oh, half Oki tee, 50%. Yeah. Okay. okay. Where's the real Oki tees? I searched the internet everywhere. I called all my people that are into corn snakes. Nobody could tell me where to get a pure Oki tea. They'd say, like, you know, okay, Jim Abbott, he, you know, he did Oki teas. Bill and yeah. Captain Love, they were known for some having some Oki tea bloodlines. But nobody's, like, breeding pure Oki teas and keeping them pure. And the, the fact is, like, the name has become coined as a marketing term to where it no longer represents any particular bloodline. Right. Wow. You know? Okay. So I'm like, gross, corn snake hmm. people. Gross. <laughs> Don't do what they did. Yeah, yeah. You, you've, you've ruined it. Good I job, Corn Snake people. You notice that I am not on Corn Snake Python radio. I guess that's God damn sense. right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, so I, I got a little obsessed the way that I did, and I, and I called and I dug, and I found the author of that book. Oh, my God. I said, whatever happened with your Okie Tees? And he's like, you know, an old friend of mine I think still has a few. Uh-huh. And so... He, because he, he would just go to this one. It's it's even like a micro locality. It's from the Hunts Golf Club in in South Carolina. That's where he got all his snakes. And he had given some to a friend, some like family friends of theirs. And they're not snake people. They did not ever breed them to morphs. They just kept their corn snakes, and they're still alive because good people who take care of good snakes keep them forever. Right. So they still have F ones off that guy who wrote about him in a book that made me like him when I was nine or whatever. Wow. You know. Cool. Pure Oki Tees from the Hunts Club. And I said, how much do you guys sell those for? And they're like, ah, you know, like we get like 35 bucks for them or something. I said, what's your Sweet annual production? Something like, something like 50, 50 yeah. a year. Yeah. And I said, I'll make a deal with you. I said, I will buy 2020's production off of you and I'll buy them at your full asking price. The deal is you cannot hold any back or give any to anyone else. They all come to me. They're like, why would you want to do that? Because. And I said, I want Oki Tees, and I'm going to make the best damn Oki Tees in the country. <laughs> and I don't even like corn snakes because you stupid corn snake people got so caught up with your stupid morphs that you completely neglected localities that we have in our own backyard. Make America great again. I said, I'm going to keep. Every freaking Okie tee for two years, I'm going to pick out the five best ones that, like, blow your socks off. I'll give everything else away to all my kids, friends at school that always ask me for superdoors. And I tell them, no, kid, get out of here. You're looking at the wrong kind of snake. Go right. get a ball python, corn snake. So now I have a snake to just give away to my kids' friends. And then when I make uh-huh. the most freaking killer pure Okie tees descended from the original Hunts Club Okie tees written about in The Keeper and The Kept – Back in the 60s or 70s, and someone says, can I have one? I'll say, $5,000. I'm going to use this money to go buy a marble off of Matt Minotola when he wants to sell 
Garrett's going to open up an uh, entire corn snake project out of spite. <laughs> just, I love I it. It's, like it, new, it's, uh, already, it's already happened. The <laughs> thing about it is I can buy the entire year's production for like 1500 bucks. That's like <laughs> one of my snakes. Right. One. Right. And they can live in a, a hatchling rack for like three years. You know, I... I'd start my hatchling superdoors in ball python breeder racks because I like giving them space. So I have all these like hatchling racks from back in the day. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna use these. And I put these corn snakes in them, and I'm like, wow, you could live there forever, you know. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's cool. You're you're damn right. I'm gonna be the freaking best OKT breeder in the country. And then when every people ask me how I did it, I'm gonna point at my four year old and be like, he did it. Right. <laughs> He's better than you. He's you suck. For you, Joe. <laughs> Who's Joe? Joe from, uh, from the Joe ground port, up. Port, uh, port oh, City yeah. Pythons, Joe, yeah. the corn snake you're, guy. You're, you're pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna close on that note. That's it. We're done now. That's. I don't think we can. That's. It's the best way to close this show ever. <laughs> oh, Locality. Uh, Locality corn snakes, because you guys suck at it. <laughs> All suck. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And then when I need genetic diversity, I'm going to take the kids camping. We're going to run on the golf course at night and, you know, try not to get arrested. We're going to get another one. <laughs> and add some genetic diversity. Quick. And then. Just run across. Uh, just and grab then, it. <laughs> and then I'm going to YouTube it. It's going to be epic. Excuse me. They just be, you know what? That idea just made them 7500 bucks each. It did. <laughs> oh, shit. And that's going up. Every time they got to do something, price goes up. We need to get up. it to 10 grand. We need to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if you can do something, you better do it right. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to run out of. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to do that now. We're out of tape. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to get tape. it. I gotta get if, on a. Plane if you guys ever have me on again, you're just gonna run out of listeners. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, they they've stuck around this long. I mean, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're not. So going. that's true. I did I post was, up the, uh, so, the picture for you, Garrett. That you can oh, let me see. check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, you guys don't want to hear my reaction. So, anyway, yeah. hopefully that was kind of fun for you guys. I I really yeah. appreciate. I loved it. it your wisdom stuff and like some of the the maturity that you know. Of of perspective that you guys have, I hope some of the locality retic people are listening, and they just kind of think twice about you know. What I mean, oh dang, yeah, I see the picture. Yeah, yeah she is <laughs> right. Wow, yeah. that is crazy cool. Not yeah. only is she black, but the pattern that is there looks like lightning bolts. Yeah, yeah she's still. Pretty. You don't have this animal anymore. She died. She, yeah. she, uh, she got, she, it was weird out of the season. She, she was like, uh, looked like she was gravid, but, um, I took her to the vet to get her checked out because I didn't know if it was like, uh, like if she had something else going on cause it was out of season for carpets and, uh, yeah. he gave her something and I think it killed her. I can't remember what it was. He gave, what's that stuff that you always say, Owen? The yeah, oxy. The yeah. oxytocin? That's oh, yeah. He gave so her she, had, she had retained home. eggs. Yeah. Died yep. the next day. I was so devastated. Luckily, I got two two clutches out of her. Yep. And her offspring. So the first clutch I bred, I bred it to a really, really light IJ because I wanted to see if it was a genetic trait right from the shot. So I wanted yeah, to see. Yeah, fair if, enough. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it could be. And uh, they... <laughs> 
they turned out all normal. Um, and but slowly Just as like they aged, riding the line, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, slowly as they aged, they became more and more melanistic. But the crazy story about her is, I picked her up from a guy named Kurt Walker, and um, I saw that he had that snake. And the first time he bred it, he bred her to a jag. I'm like, what are you doing? Why? <laughs> yeah. So I said, listen, man, if you ever give me saw that, that snake, snake, give me that have snake. To send it to me. I, <laughs> have to, I will pay whatever. Blah blah blah. So he did. So I posted it up, and it turns out that some uh, a guy, a Jake Milbrat that I knew from uh, yep. from MP days, he contacted me. He says, hey man, where'd you get that snake? I told him the story, and he's like, I think that's one I produced. And I was like, no shit. So then we start yep. connecting the dots. Anthony Caponetto was involved in it or whatever. And, and he's like, yeah. And he had these two melanistic wild caught IJs that he, um, that, you know, they weren't, they didn't look like her, but they were really like very, very dark. And uh, he put them together and he produced a clutch and he thought he was going to get, you know, ones that looked like her. And sh- sure enough, he, he did not. He got all normals. But. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of this. If you look around, and, and there's a few people like Terrell has one that looks like this one, and there's mm-hmm. a couple other people that have them. I swear, I can't prove it, but I think they're all from the same clutch because they all sort of have that same look. So, but it was fun to find out the research. When the you say that, it it, that. it makes me laugh when people say they can't tell the difference between the localities because. When you're a super nerd, you can tell the difference between the bloodlines. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh yeah, that's from that breeding in 2014. I remember those. Right. You know. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, there you crazy. Go. No, that thing's that thing's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So cool you stuff. should breed it to a jungle. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Red light. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully it works out. Do you have any idea how old she was then? Uh, I think when I bred her, she well, I, th- I want to say she was a two thousand and six or seven. Okay, yeah, so she wasn't like time. ancient snake. She she no, was right no. in prop seven no. eight years yeah. old or yeah. what? Yeah, I wonder if it has anything to do with you know some of the the retic stuff. If you take them outside a lot, mm-hmm. they develop very different characteristics with the melanin. Mm. Really? And it, yeah, it's almost like the exposure to that UV lighting or whatever it is, kind of triggers the the mechanisms that take off. You know, it's kind of like getting a tan, but it's irreversible. You know, like right. And, and they get super dark. Um, huh. And then there's there's other ones that react to cold temperatures. They get darker with cold. And there's there's actually a morph. It's um it's like a T positive albino. They call it a blonde, uh-huh. articulated pythons, and they're weird. They hatch out looking like amelanistic, bright red eyes, super pale and and light. <clears throat> and I discovered this one time when I shipped some snakes from prehistoric pets. They looked like amels, but they were blondes, and everyone liked the cool, rich color, dark, you know, like T paws look in the albinos on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody quite knew why they would get that way. Everyone thought, oh, maybe you have to selectively breed them. And actually, Bob Clark, the first time he produced them, he's like, ah, oh, crap. It's not a morph. The baby's all hatched out like normal albino looking. Right. I put a bunch in a box. I was taken to a reptile show, and I shipped them to my buddy in Wisconsin in the middle of the winter. Uh-huh. And he didn't get the message that the snakes were coming. 
And I put signature required on the box because I always do, but he has his FedEx guy trained to leave everything on the porch. Okay. So they sat there for like 24 hours. Oh, shit. In Wisconsin, the middle of the winter. I think it was like, you know, 20, 30 degrees outside. Fortunately, I know how to ship a snake. They were packed pretty well, and they had, you know, extended time heat packs or whatever. But needless to say, they got pretty cold. And he opened the box, and he was doing two things at once. He was screaming at me for not making sure that he knew that they were coming. You know what I mean? And then he was reacting to how dark they were. And he's like, you stupid bleepity bleep. Oh, my gosh. Is this mm-hmm. awesome? I just can't believe you see so negligent. And, wow. How did you guys see the <laughs> And I didn't know what he was talking about. But then when I met up with him, because he was, like, driving him to a show for me. Uh-huh. When I met up with him, I was like, oh, my gosh. What did you do to these? You know, they do not look like when I shipped them to you. Right. And anyway, we ended up moving them to a cooler part of the room, and they all turned dark. Boop. Weird, huh? So there's a there's a trait. It's like a uh, the the tyrosinase whatever production is triggered by cold temperature. You know, to to produce that, it's like that half shade of melanin. Huh. So. You know, I don't know. Throw them in your, take half a clutch and throw them in your diamond room or something. Right. <laughs> See what happens. See what happens. Maybe. Oh, Who knows? Diamonds. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, yeah. it might actually. It's it is a thing in other stuff. So. Huh. True. Yeah. They try that. See yeah. What happens. Yeah. No, IJs do change color. You know, they they they. they oh get, yeah. Like, they fire, fire up and, and down. Yeah. Like, you could tell, like, oh, it, this one's going to lay tonight. She changed color yesterday. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Red Mountain Bow is they got dark as hell indoors, took them outside. They came orange. I'm like, oh, all right. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 But the, with the uh, the melanins thing, it, it seems to be permanent. Like, once they darkened down, they didn't lighten up anymore. Oh, that's cool. Kind of like yeah. the, uh, maternal blue in uh, Chondros. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, kind of like, or calicos, like snakes that go calico. Yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you guys have that. Like in retics, a lot of them go, they, there's a, they call them calicos, but it's never been proven to be a morph. But you can have a snake that's normal for like three years, and then it goes, whoop, and it's just like 80% white after one shed. No, and then they. That. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Is weird. Yeah. I wish we had that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, go look up like calico reticulated python. You see what I'm talking about? They're always like a little bit different, but there's something that triggers a change all of a sudden. So, anywho, yeah, yeah, good episode, guys. Thank you again for letting me rant on your platform. I really appreciate it. No worries. You're gonna have to come back, dude. Yeah. Hopefully, I you know I'm just waiting for somebody to be more of a nerd about this stuff than I am. But it feels like everybody's just trying to piggyback off of it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I love the reptile industry. You guys are better than this. You know what I mean? Like, somebody do something cool with these. You know? So I don't know. Step up. Somebody step up. Get good bloodlines. Make them better. Don't get crappy bloodlines and try to catch up. That's a bad strategy. Bad way to do it. Yeah. Cool. 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 So, do you want to promote anything? You want your YouTube? Toss out website? YouTube. You don't have podcast. <laughs> you don't uh, sell you, everything. If you guys yeah. want to find Superdoors, you can Google them and you'll find me. But Thanks. no, honestly, the big thing is uh, we got we have uh, Tinley Park coming up. Are you guys going to air this one before it goes 
before the yeah. show? Yeah. Eric, yeah. So yeah. I, I know um, in talking with everybody that's involved with the forest fanning thing, we're asking everybody to dig deep for good auction items. I've considered auctioning like some of the animals, but for whatever reason, animals don't seem to go very well at auctions. Like my animals, yeah. people are lining up and they're paying asking price for them. So I'd be better off just to sell them and donate the money. Yeah. But the stuff that always goes great at those auctions are like books, artwork, posters, you know, uh, alcohol is always welcome. Buy a really nice. Apparently, yeah. Nice, no, I mean, I'm serious. Like you can buy a, a $200 bottle of scotch and it'll sell for a thousand bucks, you know. Yeah. So um, and if you guys want to donate money to uh, the Fanning family for Desiree and baby Lars, um, there's, there's definitely a need for that right now. And, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're all just going to miss them so much, but they, but they need a, um, you know, the, the one thing and I, you know, like, I, I don't want to share like a bunch of personal stuff or whatever, but he didn't have life insurance, you know? Right. And so, you know, like he's a young guy. I, you know, I just think didn't really plan for it. New father, all that, you know? Yeah. And so there's there's definitely like immediate need for an injection in cash. So the only thing that I would promote is if everybody can dig deep, donate some items to the auction. You know, I know like for a lot of us it's the beginning of hatchling hatching season and stuff like that. But you know, scrape scrape some money together, go have a really good time at that auction. And I would I would personally love to see every record be beat uh, for generosity on the reptile industry for this one. Cause you know what I mean? I, I they deserve it and, uh, and they need it, you know? So, and then I'm going to try to do some, do some stuff. If you want like the cheesiest bloodline of super dwarves ever that look mm. really spectacular. Actually, for those listening, I'll go ahead and, um, I don't know. Am I allowed to po- post this on here? I'll, I'll try to post, uh, the sire of the Reach Dreams bloodline that belongs to Forrest. Um, okay. And, uh, and yeah, we'll go from there. So um, just, yeah, you guys can check it out. So, but, um, yeah, that's it. I'm, you know, like if, if you really are interested in Dwarf and Superdor stuff, you'll, you'll find me. That's just ask anybody anywhere. And I think I've got that one pretty hammered. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be you're, like you're cocky. The there's, good there. there's other, okay. I mean, there's certainly other people that do fantastic things, but I buy all their best snakes. And so, right. you know, <laughs> you, you can get all those here too. So right. very cool. cool. All right. <clears throat> I mean, well, you did it. Cool. Thanks right, a man. lot for coming on, dude. You know, we're just going to close out and Always like I said, good. welcome anytime, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, Eric. <clears throat> All right. MoreyPythonRadio.net. Info at MoreyPythonRadio.com. Uh, check out Facebook, YouTube. Or not YouTube. What am I talking about? Oh, Facebook? my God. Oh, I didn't tell you, Owen. <laughs> no. Oh, we Facebook, have a YouTube channel now. Uh, oh, okay. Instagram. Um, and, uh, yeah, for me, EB Morelia. You can check me out there. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Cool. For me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Check out everything we got going on over there. Uh, right now, dude, I'm running low on babies. All I got are some uh, het stonewashed bread lie. But uh, I did just get a clutch of jungles yesterday. I so yeah. I know, yeah. I'm happy. They look great. Nine, cool. nine eggs. They're good-looking good looking jungles. So uh, that was actually with um, Joe from Port City Python's Mail. Uh, 
So that's. Oh, I finally got that thing to breed. Oh, I did. Yeah, that's a Delia scattershot female, and an, uh, I think it's an Andrew Hare male. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, nice. So um, nice, uh, I know yeah. it's gonna be good. Um, and then uh, for me, you can also go to Instagram at rogue underscore reptiles, and check us out at Facebook at rogue reptiles. And that's all we have for everybody tonight. We'll say thank you all for listening, and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.
Was scheint 